So if you don't mind, um, one of the things that you mentioned a little bit ago was how sometimes your own experiences would get in the way of how you could help, uh, yeah. for example, the parents that that would come to you and would have yeah. certain issues with their own kids, you'd yeah. have like trouble helping them because yeah. of your own experiences. Yeah, if you don't mind, sure. whatever you're comfortable with sharing, like what are some of these experiences that shaped, like that that shaped you as, as yeah. who you are? It's a good question. So, um, so I am the oldest son of six kids, mm -hmm. and my mom is. A single woman. She's been divorced twice. Where are you from? I, so I, <laughs> I don't even know where I'm from technically. So, okay, so, um, both my parents are Pakistani. Okay. I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. I lived in Austin. I lived in Texas for about eight years. Mm. I went overseas mm. for about eight to ten years. To Pakistan. I went to Pakistan for three and a half years. I went to Bangladesh for four years. And I lived in I'm Qatar Bangladesh. for, yeah, really? Yeah, 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 I lived in Dhaka, Savar for a little while. Oh my God. I went to a madrasa there. Yeah, so my stepfather yeah. is Bengali. Mm -hmm. Oh, my ex-stepfather, he was Bengali. Yeah. And, you know, he got a good job there. I'm, like, summarizing very quickly. But I lived there for four years, Went there, uh, was there for a while. Then I went to Qatar. And then after that, I came to New Jersey. So I came to New Jersey in 2010. So you spent quite You've a bit of time. You've literally been every month. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I've been, wow. I, I've been, I came to New Jersey in 2010. Here's the thing, though. I didn't just, like... It was a, there's a lot happened during those that time, right? So mm -hmm. I, my life kind of changed like after 9/11. So when 9/11 happened, shortly after my dad was deported from the United States because my dad did not have his papers. Okay. And um, he so just to get a yeah, so, yeah. just to get a quick reflection. So you've traveled the thing, but like, where were you when not which part? Yeah, so I was in Texas. Okay, I remember. So I, yeah, Texas, okay. I was in first grade. I was in an Islamic school called Peace Elementary. Um, Everything was going great, and I remember watching the TV. All the teachers were there. We had a half day. We went home, right? My mom and dad were having, like, problems at the time. After 9-11, in particular in Texas, there was a lot of, like, I guess secrets that came to light. Um, and while that was happening, uh, law enforcement were basically cracking down on, like, the Muslim communities. Okay. Oh, by secrets, you meant particularly in Texas, like, cases of, like... Maybe extremism talks. Not even that. Like, I don't even talk about anything serious, right? Like, I'm talking about, like, um, like family issues and stuff like that. I see, I see. Like, basically, it, hits, it hit people so much that, you know what I mean? Like, secrets were coming out. Mm -hmm. Like, um, people who were closeted atheists, like, you know, publicly announced that they were atheists, Ooh, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, people who were, like, having marital problems were, like, you know, like... Because, like, it was just being exposed one after the yeah, other. Yeah. And in my case, the fact that my dad had was... Um, I, I don't want to use the word illegal, but he like he just was undocumented, mm -hmm. right? That came to light as well as his history in Pakistan because they were literally cracking down on people. So, yeah. you know, like maybe people, let's say, for example, a husband and wife didn't know your past. Right. They knew now because the cops were telling them, right? Just yeah. to frame people and, you know, right. whatever. So my dad was caught um, for being undocumented. And he was sent, mm -hmm. he was sent overseas to Pakistan. My mom, like... A little before that, actually, uh, I guess this this is like a span of like two or three years, right? And during those two or three years, my mom and dad finally had a divorce. My mom's remarried to my stepfather, who, um, yeah, he's a he's a story in itself, right? Um, and um, we we were four siblings at the time. So uh, when around around two thousand and two, I want to say, or two thousand one, late two thousand one or two thousand two, my dad was deported. My dad was deported. I didn't know what that meant. All I remember was seeing my dad in prison. Like, he was wearing an orange jumpsuit, right? He was super scrawny. 
And, you know, I loved my dad, even though he wasn't like, they had, they had a lot of problems. I saw a lot of things, right, in the household. I did love my dad. So he was, um, he was deported. I heard so many different stories of how he was deported, right? Till this day, I don't necessarily know the 100% truth. I'm content with that, though. Um, and you don't want to know the truth. So. I mean, I, I feel like I've kind of created my own version of the truth, and I'm happy with that. Okay. Like I, because no one's going to fully admit, right? Because there's right. no, there's like this one thing that you kind of have to learn in life is that there isn't one version of the story, right? right? Everyone has their truths, and you have to honor all those, right? So just like history, right? Like history, we only see the winner's side, right. but in reality, there's more than one version right. of it. So you can either choose to do your digging and create your own depiction of what happened or you can just believe what you know one person tells you so i chose I, I i you know this is obviously i was very young so as time has passed i've learned a lot more mm -hmm. and a lot more i have come to you know like i've realized and as an adult i've seen things more differently than i did as a kid but at the time all i just saw was my dad was deported right so 2003 i was uh, i decided to move to i'm gonna summarize it because it's a very long story but um uh, 2003, I went to you go visit have, my You don't have to. Oh, okay, okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right, so... Our podcast yeah. go for like two, three hours. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to try to... I'm going to... Yeah, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Yeah. So, 2003, my mom has five kids now, and I went, to, I went to Pakistan to go visit my dad for a month. I remember I was in third grade. I was starting to do bad. Has like, your I, mom remarried at this point? Yeah, my mom so remarried my stepfather... Like my mom, re my mom married my stepfather, and she had one kid. So now yeah, we're five, right? Exactly. All four of us, from my, my, my dad, we went to go visit my dad for a month. We were supposed to only go for a month. For whatever reason, we ended up staying for three years, right? That was not planned. During those three years, whether we liked to admit it or not, we didn't go to school. We weren't homeschooled or anything like that. My dad came from a very underprivileged community. Mm -hmm. He came from he basically came from like the Newark of Pakistan. Like okay. like it's called it's called Liaquatabad. And it's a place in Pakistan that people say that if you're from there, you either become two or three things, which is you either become a crook, you become a murderer, or you just become a thug. Or you become a thug. So my dad's family, you know, like obviously lived live there, they experienced things there. So we were there. Um, my dad you and all your siblings. Yeah, so four of us, right? My 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 the fifth one was with my mom, right. and my mom had another kid while we were away. Right. My mom was dealing with her own challenges at this time, mm -hmm. while we were trying to survive in Pakistan, mm -hmm. right? So we, if, if I can ahead. ask, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Why did you guys stay there for three years? So it's it's very complicated. Like um, I don't know the real reason. Okay. Like I, and I, it's the simply put is just that it's a it's perceptions of what happened, okay. right? So what is the factual reason? I don't know, but the basically, if I have to dumb it down a lot, my dad didn't want us to leave. Okay. Right? My dad thought that he could take care of us yeah. on his own, right? Um, and he tried his best to do that with yeah. whatever resources were given to him. Yeah. You know, all credit to the guy, but you know, education was just not a priority. Right. Yeah. Um, so. Anywho, we stayed there for about three years. Eventually, you know, my dad and mom worked out something and we reunited. We stayed in Islamabad where my, my mom's side of the family's from. And it's more of an affluent area. Mm -hmm. And we kind of tried to figure out um, what our next plans were. So this is around 2005. We were supposed to come to the United States in 2005. I remember I was so excited. I was like, you know, we're coming back to America. You know, I'm about to go to Walmart and pick yeah. a Pokemon card. That's the first thing I'm going to do, yeah. right? I was so excited. How old were you at this point? I want to say I was about 10, 11 years old. Okay. Yeah. Right? So I was, a little, I think, 11, yeah. So. And this is after you had already spent three years in Pakistan. Yeah, but three years in Pakistan. My stepfather 
move to Bangladesh, he's like, you know, we should all come to Bangladesh. Now, here's the thing. This is, <laughs> I'm very embarrassed to admit this, but I'm being honest here. My stepfather is light-skinned, like he's white, okay? Right. So yeah. I assumed, based off of how eloquent he is, based off of how he looks, that everyone in Bangladesh is just like him. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, I was, so I was like, Bangladesh, sure, it's probably better than Pakistan, right? So, <laughs> so my siblings and I... Because we're kids, you know, like... By the way, we have a pass on this podcast and say whatever we want about Bangladesh because... Uh, <laughs> he always says the podcast, don't do business in Bangladesh. No, no, no. the podcast. He says it to me. So, like, we're like, sure, you know, this is great. So, I remember, I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. My stepfather came to pick us up in a van and I was like, he has a car! This is already amazing, right? That's really rare for Bangladesh. <laughs> And so, a van? Holy moly! It's not. It wasn't his. It turned yeah, out. Like, How does it fit in the streets? What? What? Wow. So he, so he picks us up, and um, he picks us up, and it turns out that he didn't plan out us actually coming. Turns out, if if you don't know that there was a war between Pakistan and Bangladesh, and yeah, because yeah. of that, there's a lot of animosity, yeah. at least in the Bangladeshi side, right? Exactly. So my stepfather's family really didn't like. You know, they didn't really get along with my mom, but I will put it nicely, right? So did, did that did that change how like how did your stepfather's family like view you and your siblings? So yeah, they so we were kids, so I can't really like explain, right? And yeah. it's not and and this is where like I was earlier I was like being a little hesitant to say this, but it's not it wasn't my story to tell. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna make sure that like throughout the story, like everything I'm telling you, I'm really filtering out and make sure that I only mention my experiences, okay. not the yeah. rest of my family's, right? Um, but basically, like my mom did struggle with my step stepfather's family. My stepfather, for whatever reason, dumped us in a village, like for six months. And when I'm talking village, I'm talking about like no house, Bangladesh everything. Bangladesh village. Bangladesh village. So it's, it's a village. Yeah, it's called Savar. So Savar is the outskirts of Dhaka. It's basically a place where, yeah, so it's it's a place that, like, just to describe it, right? There's just, like, animals everywhere, one. Mm. Um, there's no cars anywhere, Bottom right? Village, yeah. um, and um, most of the homes were not even homes. Like, they were made out of, like, mud huts, mud huts yeah. and also, like, bamboos with, like, steel, like, mm-hmm. steel sheets, right? So there was this one big house that was there, and it was, like, gated and everything. Um, my stepfather was Tabliki Jamati. Um, for those you know, you know what the yeah, right? So, do you know Tablik Jamaat? So, Tablik Jamaat is like I. This is, this is a very. I don't know if this will be very ignorant of me to say it, but the only way that I can describe it very simply is like they're the jo- Muslim version of Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witness. Okay. Yeah. You ever been to a masjid and? Uh, I'm just gonna. All right. You ever been to a masjid and like someone's like, uh, brother, come here, please have a chat with us. I've never seen that. So have you? Uh, so you, have you ever heard of saying? Oh well, you know we're not even gonna go about it. It's just basically yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, I, yeah. and I'm not trying to discredit them in any way, right? Yeah. Great work happens there. No, they just prioritize a certain kind of like a certain way of doing uh, practicing their deen than the other. Like yeah, every door to door. Yeah, so yeah, door to door thing, right? Like masjid to masjid. Yeah. So their 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 focus is more of dawah. Dawah is very important to them, and they do dawah by leaving you know their houses and going into yeah, the path of a masjid. Yeah, so they'll go on like 40 yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you see that word one more time? Tablik Jamaat. I feel like I've heard this before. This is a Bengali word for, for the people who just go and like. That is, it, that's what it is. It's Tabliki. They're, they're Tabliki. Also, Have you ever heard of Tongi? Tongi Ishtama? 
No, but I, the other one sounded more familiar. Do you oh, speak yeah. Bengali, by the way? Yeah. A little bit. I can understand it. I imagine you pick some up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I understand it very well, but like, I do not have the tongue for it at all. I, I understand it. <laughs> so I definitely forgot a lot of it, but uh, there was a time where I could speak it fluently. Ah. Uh, yeah. So I, I imagine you had to. You had I to. had to, yeah, because people would make fun of you in Bangla and you had to understand <laughs> what they're saying. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. I needed to make fun of them back, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, it's, yeah, it's being at the... Uh, that's yep. a strong, that's a strong being, force. But yeah, it's being at the bleaky, like a good thing or bad. I, so that's the thing, right? Like yeah. from okay, so like I'm not gonna comment on that, but <laughs> you will kind of hear my opinion through my story, right? Okay. So because like I said, they do. I don't want to discredit them. They do great work, just like every like as as human beings, right? And I we we talked about this earlier. Always taking the good from something and kind of leaving the bad, right? Yeah. I view Islam that way too. Mm-hmm. There's so many sects in Islam, right? Sufism, Tabligi Jamaati, Salafism, right? Whatever. And, you know, like, there is definitely there is definitely wisdom behind each initiative mm-hmm. and, like, what they are. And everyone wants to, like, you know, there's, I don't, you know, like, there's definitely wisdom behind each and every yeah. way of life, mm-hmm. right? I am so edu- and educated in this topic that I can't even, like, give, I can't even give a comment mm-hmm. on it, right? Yeah. Like, that's how uneducated I am. All I did, all I can say is that I chose to look in the good with any group of Muslims that I've ever experienced. Yeah, that right. includes, like, you know, Sufism, Salafism, and, um, like, even, uh, even Tabligi Jamaatism, right? Like, I don't even know if you say it's ism, ism, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just put an ism on everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? But, like, you know, they, they, like... They're highly memed, by the way. They are, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Memed. They do good work, but unfortunately, I they are like- memed. I might be completely missing you here. Like, I, we can check this out of podcast. You might have to edit this out. But I feel like I thought my dad said or something, or my mom said that those are respected people. And like, if you want to devote your life and give up like all material oh, possessions, well, you go do that. Like, because they're like nomadic. Yeah. So if you go to, if you go to, like, like, I, like, we'll actually get there. Yeah. So it's it's very true yeah. that in the Eastern world, Tablighi Jamaati, Tablighi Jamaat is actually very respected. Yeah. Right. In particular, in the Indo-Pak countries yeah, yeah, yeah right like our the hubs are there and i actually went to school in one of the hubs so in india it's called nizamuddin mm-hmm. uh in pakistan it's called raiwind in bangladesh there's two one is in chittagong and one's in dhaka the one in dhaka is called kakrail and that's where i studied and one shall we'll get to there in a little yeah. bit but i stayed in this village for about six months um still no schooling no education whatever right so at this point i am t- turning 12 mm-hmm. and i don't know uh like I knew, remember, I left school when I started third grade, mm-hmm. so I know how to addition. I know yeah, how to do so addition and subtraction, right. but I don't know how to divide. I barely knew, knew how to multiply, yeah. and I barely knew how to like. I knew how to read, right? But mm-hmm. I used to love reading, so I continued to read advanced books, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was just my hobby. Yeah. My siblings, on the other hand, didn't know how to read or write, like uh, flat out. So just keep that in mind, like the whole time. Yeah. Like most of them didn't know. At least the the ones who didn't go to school around this time, right? So and you're the oldest. I'm the oldest, yeah. right? So. Six months in Savar, and then after Savar, we went to Dhaka, right? We finally met up with my stepfather's family. We lived in a very um, privileged area in Dhaka for a little while. Um, but then eventually, I think my stepfather thought about, okay, you know, these kids are growing up. They're not really getting any education. What is the second best? Mm-hmm. So for him, he was like, you know what? Why don't I just put them into a madrasa? So, oh, man. Yeah, so he put, yeah. he put myself and my brother. So I am... Turning twelve, Abdurrahman, my my brother, is turning. Um, he's turning ten, mm-hmm. and my sister, who's turning nine, he put us three in the madrasa. My youngest three siblings, they went to school, so they. Uh, 
my the fourth one who is my like who's from my dad right mm -hmm. he is at an age where he's kind of behind but he's like only supposed to be he's only one or two years behind right mm -hmm. yeah my youngest two they're at the age where they're supposed to be like because they weren't supposed to go to school so then they yeah. went to school and they're like good yeah. um and um so my sister went to an all-girls madrasa my brother and i went to kakarao right now I want I want you I want to first paint a picture. Very familiar. Yeah, so I want to paint a picture real quick. My brother and I were not like the average kids of our age, right? We didn't go to school for like four at this point four years, mm -hmm. right? We um we didn't have any friends that were our age. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So we used to hang out with, we used to hang out with like a bunch of people who were like older than us. So we didn't understand what was society what is socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. And appropriate for our age right so i so like you know we didn't we didn't know like anything like anything and we knew things that we shouldn't know right like just like whatever right, right so right. when we went to this so there was a disconnect kind of yeah, a right, huge right, disconnect right. right like i didn't know how to behave my age okay right yeah. so we go to this madrasa this madrasa is about six floors tall it's a big one it's a big madrasa right the the, the markas right the 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 hub mm -hmm. The first three floors are basically where the people from across the world would come to like congregate and then plan out where they were going to go in Bangladesh. So it was like a headquarters. Yeah. You you arrived in the airport, a truck came and brought you to the markas. The first three floors is basically where you stay until you find your crew and then where your assignment is, where you're going to mm -hmm. go to preach Islam, yeah. right? So this was international. So people from all over the world would come here. I've seen types of people that I am not proud to admit and then people who i'm very like confident to admit right like what mm -hmm. kinds of people and i shall like, ex describe some of them in the future um but um those were the first three floors right the first floor has two kitchens a very small kitchen for um the foreigners mm -hmm. and a very big kitchen for like the locals okay. the the next two floors are where the bengali kids were so that's so three and two so three and two right so now we're on floor four and floor five okay now this is the madrasa right yeah. so this is where kids are studying alim like that was yeah. that like type classes yeah. and then people who are trying to become hafid right they're trying to yeah. memorize quran that's yeah. now there is a small room on the fifth floor that's just like a few steps up and that room is the sixth floor which is the foreign wing for students so basically, that room was filled with... And that's where you were. That's where I was. So that room was filled with 40 men, ages between 18 to 45 years old, who devoted their lives to studying Islamic academia, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that sounds all good, but here's the thing. <laughs> Most of these kids were not there by choice. They were kind of like... Thought so. Just yeah, like they were kind of like delinquents in their countries who their parents were like, the only way you can bring honor is if you go to this, you know, yeah, Tablik Jamaat. So and then they'll get sent out and then they hear from their peers about this madrasa. I was like, hey, you get free food. You get to do whatever you want. No one bothers you and you can chill here and then you could get go, you could go back home as a hero. So this is like, um, you know how like some people, like we'll hear stories in our community of like maybe someone is like really promiscuous in high school and then their parents send them to Pakistan. Yeah, you know, maybe if this is an equivalent this is of that, where right? they yeah. would be sent. Yeah, okay. so this was like, well, not they per se, but like you know, in this case, people who oh. knew about the league jamaat they would be people sent. Like yeah, so so there was a lot of kids like that. 
Um, and then there was actually genuine people who, like, I have, I'm, like, I still can't believe that I've met them. Like, people who have, like, sorry, I just, like, so there's, there were people who, like, had dreams of, like, seeing the prophet. There were people who, like, you know, um, were able to not eat for days, you mm-hmm. know, and just study in a corner. There were very, like, unique people who, like, modern science may not be able to comprehend, right? Yeah. But then there was also, like, the hooligans and the, yeah. the people who were, like, you know, primitive, stupid, right? Yeah. So it was a mix of that. But here's the problem with that place. This, this room was, I just want to paint a picture. Just imagine a rectangular room, right? One room. Then a small room over here, which is basically a room where the bathrooms are. So there's three showers, three bathroom stalls. All of them are open from the top, so you can peek on from the other, right, if you uh-huh. wanted to, which people did. And then there was like a wudu area, right? The next room that's right beside it is the sick room. Basically, where kids who adult, uh, students who got sick, they used to sleep there, and that's where the ustad's bathroom was, right? And the rectangular room, the windows were all steel. So they were barred from the inside and from the outside. So they're barred up, and then there was a steel plate that covered it. So there's two ways to so like, no prevent lights. people to... Yeah, if you close the windows, then there's no lights it in. It sounds right? just like Darulum Daru in Buffalo. It sounds like the... Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, but Darulum in Buffalo still had like... Well, we'll get there. So, so, <laughs> so Also, did you guys live here? Or like yeah, so yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, get there. So... This, so this is a so this is a boarding school type of thing where you just sleep there. Literally, so that's the thing. This rectangular room in the corner of it, everyone's trunks were there. So trunks were basically a steel case that had all your belongings, and then you had a sleeping bag they used to put on top. We all slept on a concrete floor, right? Cold concrete floor, mm-hmm. right? Um, you and we used to study right in front of our box, okay. and we used to sleep right in front of our box. We used to go eat downstairs and pray outside, downstairs. So the schedule was this. Oh, and there were two. The main door was locked from the inside and locked from the outside. Mm-hmm. So this thick bars of steel, right, was one door, just like like literally like a cell. And then this thick steel door that closed it from the top. There was two teachers. One used to lock from the outside and he used to go home at night. The other one used to lock from the inside and he used to go and he used to sleep inside, right? So that way no one could escape, right? Mm-hmm. Um they like a prison like yeah and and with that comes a prison like mentality yeah so we had kids from china indonesia we had people from different parts of africa we had people from russia we had people from um we had people from we had people from all over right but you're in bangladesh yeah but these are foreigner kids that were uh, foreigner guys that were doing tablet jamaat right internationally Mm -hmm. right they came to bangladesh they heard about this program they decided to stay 40 of them can they leave willingly? Wait, real quick. So I think we continue with the description of So you slept, you slept and worked basically in front of your trunk. Yeah, that's what and you yeah, and it was, and it was locked. Still yes, it was locked, right? And it was forty kid, forty guys there, eighteen to forty-five year olds, mm-hmm. right? Um, and um, the reason why they were all foreign because there were people from the fort, like they would just yeah. So and then the, I asked you, can they live willingly? Leave willingly. So. Yes. <laughs> so basically, once you sign up for the program, most people they kind of don't leave until they either finish because there's a lot of fin- there's family pressure. Uh-huh. But then there's also like the the school itself. The school kind of like unfortunately they kind of brainwash you to believe that this is your life, uh-huh. right? So you kind of just stay there and you think that's the rest of your life. Like my brother and I, we stayed there for four years, uh-huh. 
And we thought that was our rest of our lives. Like, I had a long-term plan to stay there. Within that I time. gave up on everything else. This was my life. You know what I mean? And we'll get there. Like, you'll see how it happens. But, but like, the guys from, like, who can't you see? They're people from Russia, China. Yeah. Like, there's no family pressure, I'm assuming. They're just so there is that because they left their homes, right? They have families back home, and they kind of don't want to leave without any accomplishment, right? This is accomplishment for them. So is there a finite end to the program? Like, here, you're done. Yeah, so there is a final end to the program, but then there's other things that happen. So it's like an initiation thing to, like, a this, this program in particular was very cultish. Yeah. Unfortunately, right? And I'm sure that a lot of people definitely benefited from it. Obviously, you do need to keep in mind that this is a perception of a, at the time, 12-year-old, right? Yeah. So there may be, there are, there's definitely biases to what I say. And because I've had a negative impact, negative in, uh, in, uh, experience with exactly. this place, I definitely have a negative connotation to this place. But I don't want to. I don't want to discredit all the good this institution has done, right? Yeah. At the same time, I'm not going to devalue my story in the process, right? So, yeah. so basically, with the gang like, like with the prison like, uh, with the prison like uh, environment, there became a gang like culture mm-hmm. where basically the Chinese uh, the Chinese students would fight against another group. The Indonesians and the Filipinos didn't get along as well. They were like they were like they had gang names. Like one of the gangs was like the Mortuza gang, right? Which I don't still don't even know what that word means, but it was like the gang. And they were like what they would do is like they would take ink and they would take pens, I mean pin, and they would like burn it and then like tattoo themselves their gang names. And wouldn't you get in trouble? So no, like they, these people, like I'm telling you, these are grown men, man. Oh like no, but the whole point is like the the guy in charge isn't no, like but the, the, are all, so uh, no, but that's so they you know there's ways to hide things, there's a way to get away with things, right? It's like a prison, like there's a warden, you know, the warden doesn't know what's actually going on, you know what I mean? And while and the warden kind of has an idea, but as long as there's peace, they let things slide. Mm. You get what I'm saying? So just like this that, that's this how is, the teacher was. <laughs> it's not even the worst part. Okay, so so I just want to clarify. Is this all madrasas or just this one? No, no, this is not, like, I wouldn't even say this is the entire, it, like, this room is not a reflection of this whole madrasa, and this madrasa is not a reflection of all madrasa. So that room is uniquely to this place. Yeah, and there may be other places that are like this, right? There's good and bad eggs everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Were the right? Bengali floors, were they more like... They right. had their own sets of problems, okay. right? And uh, they were definitely not as bad as this particular case. They were not like gang. No, gang. there were no gang issues, but there were definitely issues. Like every every group of people, there's always going to be bad and good, right? Yeah. You can either choose to look at the good, you can either choose to look at the bad, right? Regardless, they're both realities. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, I I really hesitate to mention these stories most of the time because I, I feel, I felt like... I felt like long-term... Are you pausing or...? Um, let's just wait until... Yeah. It's good, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because whenever you get to the important part, we don't want to miss this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, awesome. So um, there's good and bad in every situation. I really, I'm very, I'm always reluctant to mention the story to a few people, especially people who are young and bright, you know, who want to learn their deen. Because mm-hmm. I realize that when I mention the story, it kind of discourages a lot of people to get into this. Yeah. No, absolutely not. There's uh, there's beautiful, amazing institutions that I just unfortunately didn't have the privilege to attend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had, I just happened to be one of the people who had bad experiences. Mm-hmm. In no way or form does that mean that someone else will, mm-hmm. even if they went to the same institution I went to, right? Mm-hmm. I just was dealt a bad hand, and mm-hmm. alhamdulillah, it's my reality, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it is a good story, so I like mentioning it, right? So, okay. <laughs> um, so anyway, so. Uh, the so 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 the Indonesian the Fil- uh, Filipinos didn't get along very well, right? There was there was all this conflict that was there, 
And at the same time, here's another problem that we used to face. So I'm sure you guys have heard horror stories of what happens in boarding schools. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you've heard... Madrasas. So, like, I'm sure you've heard of things that happen in Catholic schools, mm-hmm. happen in Islamic schools, happens in madrasas, right? Yeah. We're just going to, like, summarize it. All those things are very true. Like, I have experienced them firsthand, and I have seen other people who have experienced them. So, in some shape or form, I have experienced anything that you've heard of that happens in madrasas, right? And I will dive into it a little okay. bit. But, um... Like, just to mention themes, physical abuse, sexual abuse, sexual assault, um, a lot of grooming, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, verbal and spiritual abuse, a lot of, uh, yeah. So, like, basically, these are things that I have personally, unfortunately, have experienced. Um, and I am very comfortable talking about it at this point in my life, right? Because I've, this is actually when I was mentioning earlier to you guys off the camera, I was mentioning that things that I've experienced, like, um, that's kind of what shaped me to who I am. Right. And it's kind of made me want to help other people who are in similar situations, right? That's right. kind of why I got into this field, is because we just don't talk about it enough. Now, it this I wasn't always like this, right? This was, okay, actually, I guess that's what you were about to say. I was going to say, was there a point when you kind of embraced this story? And- yeah, yeah. So for a very long time, I actually was very embarrassed about it. I mm-hmm. thought that I took it very personally. I It really affected me mentally. I didn't know what to do. I... I had a very hard, I had a very dark moment, dark time when I came to the United States my first year because I, I had this world that I lived in mm-hmm. with its issues and now I'm in a, another world with its own set of issues yeah. and I was not built for this world. Right. Like I was groomed and built for a world overseas. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do I, how did I, how did I transition for that was mm-hmm. like probably one of the most Hardest things I've ever done in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I probably didn't do a good job, but at the very least, I was able to manage, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm able to manage. And that's a win for me, right? Like, I was able to manage. So, um, back to the story. This, um, the, So, knowing that, my brother and I, we kind of did not have, like, people who would look out for us uh, for a very long time. So, we kind of had a fend for ourselves. Like, we would sleep with, like, knives underneath our pillow. We had this thing called back-to-back, what we used to do, which is basically every night... We used to sleep each other, sleep with our backs against each other, so that way we knew that no one was gonna touch us from the back, right? Um, because we kind of had to learn our lesson after yeah. a few times of it happening. We needed to be smarter, so we decided to just defend ourselves because mm-hmm. nothing was happening. Um, we did complain to um, my stepfather, but at the time, um, he didn't really do anything about it, right? Where's your sister and all this? So my sister's not in the same other. So she's in her own like place, doing her own thing, right? Like they're all, my family members are all doing their own right. things. With and they're all with their own set of problems, right? And those are not my stories to tell, right? Yeah. Um, I just want to like uh, I'm only sharing this like uh, my 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 own my own uh, story. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to so yeah, so we, that's something we used to do. Um, our teachers, our in particular, the main teacher was a very aggressive teacher. He used to beat the heck out of us. Like, just imagine like two strips of like red on your skin, and then there's a there's like your skin that's yellow in the middle, and then when you squeeze it, like blood would drip out, right? Like that's how bad we used to get beat around our our whole body, basically. And um, most of it was not even like uh, for a reason. Like I remember one time. My, te- my teacher, he got off the phone with, like, his wife, and he was so pissed off, and he literally, like, was looking for someone to hit, and my brother and I, we sat right next to him, because we were the youngest students mm-hmm. at the time, so he just grabbed us and just started beating us for no reason, like, like no reason, he didn't give us a reason, just started beating us up, and he just threw us to the side, so... Yeah, I've, I've heard, like, yeah. I mean, I can, okay, so I, I've heard stories from Dalum 
Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And like in my head, like I'm, I'm taking what you're saying, what the experiences that you've been through are probably that to the nth level. Yeah. And I've heard from the stories that I've heard, you know, like closed fist punches when someone messes up. Yeah. 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 All that. Like that. All that. And they, and they enjoyed it. Not only did they enjoy it, they believed that it was part of teaching. Like it was like, this is how you teach a song. Like they, they had a divine justification for behaving this way. So that was the problem, right? This is why a lot of people hate religion is because you, once you give someone a divine justification for behaving, there is no limit to what atrocities you can commit in the world, right? And that's, we see the results of that hundreds of hundreds of years, right? If not thousands of years of that, right? So this is just another example of it. Um, Anywho. There's two stories I love to mention whenever I talk about the madrasa. Sorry, I just had a, um, th- that I that I mentioned the madrasa to give people insight to how it was. But I don't know. I've never mentioned in front of a camera, so I'm curious to see how this is gonna go. But maybe I can just mention. We can cu- we can cut it. Later. Okay, so I guess I'll mention one. So without mentioning any names. Okay. So there's two characters that I need to introduce before I mention the story. So mm-hmm. one of them, his name. I'm gonna mention their names. These are the only two people's names I'm gonna mention. So one guy, his name was Abdul Basit. Abdul Basit's from Tunisia. Abdul Basit was like a 20-something-year-old, very slim fit, like very fit guy, right? Like, like he could have been a model. Um, and he, uh, he basically is very big on like, you know, standing up for people's rights. Mm-hmm. So if, if I want to explain you like... You were friends with him? Yeah, like we, we all kind of knew each other. We even knew like the people who molested kids, right? Mm-hmm. And we like, we talked to them. Because it, it, we, we lived... You were stuck in yeah. yeah, we had no choice. You got to survive. You got to yeah, talk yeah. to people you didn't want to yeah. talk to, right? But you had to be smart with how you talk to certain yeah. people, right? So he was one of the good guys. This guy, this kid was one of the good guys. He was... um, He... Like, to, to, to better understand, like, what kind of person he is, he once told us a story about his dad. They lived in the outskirts of Tunisia, and there was some political difference that was going on, and it affected their village. And basically, his dad was not giving his stance on it. So they were like, you know what, we're going to... the commu- Some of the community members were like, we're going to bully him into making a stance, right? Mm-hmm. Taking a stance on the political matter. So they came, you know, with pitchforks and stuff in front of their house, and Abdul Basa was like, I was around 14 years old, I was terrified, and, you know, my dad just comes outside, he takes out a machete, he starts sharpening wood and he goes to like um he goes in front of the mob right or the the Mm -hmm. the group of people and they all have like you know like their weapons whatever and he was like why are you guys embarrassing me in front of my family it was like no you had to make a stance on this you're a community member it's your obligation Mm -hmm. you know what i mean basically to out him if he's if he's not a supporter and if he's a supporter for him to openly announce it so they can gain more traction for the political movement right so he basically took the woods he's like i don't care about any of this but if any of you guys you know step into my property he just took the wood and he just threw it on the ground and it like you know it lodged into the ground. He's mm-hmm. like, "You're gonna have, we're gonna have a problem." It's like none of them messed with him. They all left. My mm-hmm. God. So he had that role model that as his it. figure, right? That is so. So I just want story. you, yeah. So that's that's. That, I just want you. To, the reason why I mentioned that is so you understand what kind of person he is because he mm-hmm. grew up seeing someone like that. Yeah. So that's Abdul Basit. The next person, and whenever I mention him, a lot of people think I'm lying, but it's true. Like I just, I you know, whether you believe it or not, it's up to you, but. There's this guy, and you'll know why people don't believe it. He's Russian. His name is Muhammad Ali, and my dude is yoked, right? Like, he's, like, huge. Like, he's a triangle. Now, from the perception of a 14-year-old, right? This guy was a triangle. Like, he was so big. And he, like, he, uh, he used to tell me, he was like, you know, I'm an ex, like, militia or whatever. Speaks about Bongo here? Or? No, so we, commu- we had to learn to communicate in different ways. So, eventually, you end up picking, like, you end up picking a Bangla. But most of these people, they either know English 
or they only or they know some form of Arabic or they know some form of like Bangla a little bit because they've traveled, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the very least, we all made the we made the best of our hands. We're like mm-hmm. food, milk, right? whatever. Like we literally did that, and it was yeah. normal because these people came from or because they were jamaats, right? Like they were groups. Right. So someone who understood Bangla or whatever English, they would translate to someone who only spoke their language. Right. So there was like there was definitely English. Uh, there was language barriers, but through that, we were able to actually learn small phrases of like all the languages. So like I was able to learn a little bit of Malayo, a little bit of you know Thai, you know like different different languages. I wish I remember them. I wish I kept in touch with them because it would have made my story more believable when I came to New Jersey. But you know like you kind of only learn things to survive and once you're out you kind of forget it so like i don't barely remember bangla either so a lot of people don't even believe that mm. i lived in bangladesh but thank god i interacted with the bengali community when i first came to new jersey because now they still remember that like they they think i'm bengali like a lot of these kids yeah a lot of these guys think i'm bengali. I'm like no i'm i'm pakistani just speak bangla because you know a lot of bangladeshis who speak urdu yeah. but you don't want yeah. don't know a lot of pakistani people who speak bangla yeah so that's that's something. So anyway, so Muhammad Ali told me that he was like ex-militia, and you know, like he had he had all these gun like gun wounds to like bullet wounds to uh-huh. prove it. I didn't believe him mm. because I remember I lived a sheltered life, not sheltered life, but I lived away from society. Yeah. So in my head, because I watch I used to watch cartoons. Yeah. If you had a bullet hole, it goes through you. There's a hole in your body, right? So I'm assuming he has holes on him, right? So he had lumps on his body. And I was like, those are not bullet holes. You just have bad acne. <laughs> Later on as an adult, I was like, oh my God, that's what a bullet hole is. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, that's what a bullet hole is. <laughs> this is how anime ruins kids. <laughs> I didn't watch anime this at the time. This is how cartoons ruin kids. <laughs> I, I, didn't watch, I didn't watch anime at the time, right? So, um, so anyway, so this guy, like, so this guy is, like, hardcore, right? Yeah. Huge. And... I used to make fun of him so much because he was this big guy, right? He used to sit like in the, the shahad position, That's bold. You right? Used to make fun of him? Yeah, no, because no, 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 no. so he used to have like the you know you know Nurani Kaida is. It's basically the little Kaida where you learn Alif Bata. So it's like Ayu Dabi Butati, right? Ana Ada Daya. Like I can't believe I still remember those. So like you have that thing and then you put in a little Qurani. You'll be like this big guy and you'll be like Alif. So. I can. I'm reading. Like you know, I'm about to memor- start memorizing the Quran, right? So I'm like advanced, like Arabic reciting level, right? Yeah. So I'm making fun of this guy because he's a big man, like so can barely speak Arabic, right? But he would like he would laugh too, and he was like, I'm not even exaggerating. Like I wish I was exaggerating, but he literally sounded like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like the way he talked. Like, like I think <laughs> once you get to certain level of bodybuilding, so and then, you know, so he um so he uh um like he 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 was so ballsy that once he went to those the teacher who had a, he had a daughter a young daughter and he literally told the teacher this is the head teacher who's very abusive by the way mm-hmm. he went to the head teacher he was like he said he said it in bangla he was like Ustad, when your daughter grows up i'm going to be the man that marries her right so imagine and the guy and the stud didn't say anything because he can't because the guys the guy's humongous what are you gonna do (laughs) saying these two people are basically the main parts of the story so one of the other kids not gonna mention the name right we'll just give him we'll give him randomly we'll call him muhammad right Mm -hmm. muhammad was what happened oh dang okay we'll 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 call him daniel okay Okay. so um 
So Daniel, he was a little flamboyant. Wait, that's and... gonna get confusing. Yeah. Okay, so just we'll, say personage. We'll call it Ali. Ali. Ali is the name. Ali. Okay. Ali. We'll call it Ali. His last name's Ali. It doesn't matter. So, right, right. so <laughs> Ali is the Ali is the name we're giving this kid, right? Yeah. So this kid was a little flamboyant. Uh-huh. Um, he was very shy and whatever. A lot of the guys used to think that she, he was gay. Uh-huh. Um, whether that is or true, you know, like who who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not relevant. But he, people assumed that he was gay. Mm-hmm. So he was hanging out with a Bengali kid who was very well respected in the in the madrasa. He was a haji, someone who committed hajj, mm-hmm. or like performed hajj. And his dad was also very influential in the masjid because his dad was um, excuse me, his dad was um, like one of the main funders mm-hmm. of the like and like also a teacher or whatever. Very nice guy. His dad was a very nice guy. So this kid would be hanging around. Ali, right? Ali was, I want to say, 15. I want to say this kid was about 18 or 17, right? So there was a big building that was being constructed right next to our madrasa. There was six floors, right? No lights, no nothing. It was just a bunch of bathrooms and showers. Mm. This Bengali kid lied to Ali and told Ali that there's a there's a store on the sixth floor where they sell snacks and drinks and stuff like that. Mm. Because, you know, they pitch them wherever. Like, let's go there and let's grab some drinks. So after Asr, which is usually our break time, right? My brother and I were not able to, leave, were not allowed to leave anywhere, but mm-hmm. everyone else was. So Ali was my exception. Too young, right? Yeah, we were too young, right? Um, and Ali was Ali, and my stepfather requested that we didn't, so that's why we didn't, which I absolutely hate, um, because we didn't get to explore what other people were able to explore. We yeah. were stuck and cooped in there all day, mm-hmm. right? Um, for four years, yeah. So, um, so Ali goes upstairs, and this kid tried raping Ali and um, Ali didn't know how to react so the first thing Ali says is that you know let's do this tomorrow because it's about to be time for Maghrib and people are going to find out and they're going to ask where I am and you're going to get in trouble that's all the first thing he could think of right so Ali leaves Ali is crying he comes to me and he's like Daniel I don't know what to do now my brother and I we've been there the longest when it comes to the kids so we already knew that the teachers were not going to do anything about this. So we're like, you know what? Now it's time to hold certain people accountable. When Muhammad Ali and Abdul Basit found out about this stuff happening, they literally came to us and they were like, the next time this happens, let us know. We'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, this is your time to shine. How old were those two? Muhammad, I think Muhammad Ali was in his mid-30s and Abdul Basit was in mid-20s. So he was okay, probably like 20, yeah. 23 or something like that, right? Like, um, yeah. So... Um, they told Abdul, and this is where I think Ali messed up. They told Ali to call the kid the next day and to tell him to go to the same place where they were last night, like that last, the last day, and that they were going to take care of everything. Where Ali messed up was Ali went in front of the whole... Oh, well, so they were going to like wait. They were going to wait there, okay. right? Okay. So Ali basically went during lunchtime in the, in the local, like the Bengali cafeteria, where there's hundreds of witnesses, right? And whenever a foreigner walks in, everyone looks, you know, because he's... Clearly a foreigner, right? He's from Philippines, very light skin, mm-hmm. right? Like everyone's looking at him like, oh, yeah. you know, like, what's a foreigner doing here? So he goes right next to this Bengali kid, he whispers in the ear, and he leaves, right? So everyone saw that, now keep that in mind, right? Mm-hmm. So this kid, he goes upstairs, you know, on the floor waiting for whatever, like, you know, Ali to be there. And Muhammad Ali and um, Abdul Basit, they were hiding. So they literally just messed him up. Like they told us the story after Abdul Basit like jumped from the top of the floor and you know like slapped his ears in the. I uh, know Muhammad Ali did that because apparently he's trained because he's militia, right? So he knows how to like decapitate someone. Yeah. So he basically real quick, like real quick. Uh, I thought I heard something. It might have been. Damn it. Man.
It's good. No, we're good. We're good. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Awesome. So, so, he jumped, so he's on the top of the stairs. He jumps down. He 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 um, busts his eardrums, right? And then Muhammad Ali, just, I mean, uh, Abdul Basit just pummels him. So they both basically pummeled him, right? Did he get hospitalized? Yeah, he got hospitalized. Oh, wait, he got so hospitalized. You said this guy's dad was a nice guy? Yeah, his da- dad was a nice guy, but he was influential. That's the important thing. Him being a nice guy is irrelevant. Yeah. Him being influential is important, mm-hmm. right, for the story. Um... So the dad was influential. He was just yeah. He but he was also well known too because he was a haji and he's a son of a, he's a son. whatever, right? He's so only he, eighteen. Yeah, yeah but he, it doesn't he, matter. He's a son. So he's a, he, like you know just think about it. The rich kid of a school, right? For example, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if their parents are well known, they're thinking they're the ish. You know, they're gonna yeah, yeah. treat everyone like you know they're gonna really think that they're every yeah. they're the hot stuff. This kid was just like that, right? Yeah. So he like he thought he could get away with this, and he couldn't because we some people usually teachers won't do anything because again, right? Like, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Um, these allegations happen all the time, but they ne- unfortunately they never address it. So in this case, I don't know if they address it now, but back then they didn't. Um, so Muhammad Ali and Abdul Basit knew that, and they were like, "We're gonna take care of this, like, because this shouldn't happen." Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and they explain later why they did it, mm-hmm. but they basically sent him to the hospital, and he had to get plastic surgery done to like fix up his face oh, completely so he yeah he, he was out of commission for a year basically oh, like i said yeah he was gone he was gone like gone oh. gone right wait what happened to the guy what happened to all the boss and so uh, so yeah we're getting there so i'm waiting my brother and i are eagerly waiting right because yeah, we're like yeah. what's going on it's after maghrib everyone should be here right the teacher's worried it's like why are these where are these two kids these two guys come like they're wearing white shawarkamises right oh lord blood everywhere they're like high-fiving each other joking around laughing having a time of their life right like they just i'm sure they had a lot of pent-up aggression that they wanted to take out so they did so (laughs) so these so these guys they um the teacher was like the teacher automatically know that something happened we need to address it Uh took them into this took them into the room figured out what was going on there was a bunch of shouting going on right it became a whole like it became like a whole conspiracy, like a whole problem. Like the whole madrasa got involved. And because they're foreign kids, right? And there's like some legal stuff that comes with that. They couldn't necessarily deport them or send them away because there was like some contract with the government or whatever. I don't know how to explain it. I don't actually know the details. Yeah. But what I remember was is that the, it was they were limited to how they can punish them. The only way they could punish them is through physical punishment, mm. right? Um, because the teacher wanted them to get in prison, the guy, the father. Wanted them to get in prison, beat up and then imprisoned. Wait, or the father of the, was the father of no 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 the father of the kid, right? The Bengali yeah. kid. Okay. He didn't believe the allegations. He was like, My son would never do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? These two are adults, they destroyed my son, you know, like he, they need to go to prison. Yeah. But they couldn't do that because it's gonna bring up a lot of other problems, right? That they swept under the rug. So they were like, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna give them the ultimate punishment. So the ultimate punishment is basically that if you do something that's really bad, all your teachers, so in some cases up to 12 to 20 teachers, they get together and they sit in a circle, you get tied up and you get um, like blindfolded and they all take turns beating you up for like a few hours. And it just it's just the most horrible thing ever. And I've actually yeah, seen someone go through that and just hearing a grown man like cry like a, a baby is like a whole nother. Like I will never forget how that guy sounded, right? So... Anywho, they were like, we're going to do that with Abdul Basit and Muhammad Ali. So Muhammad Ali and Abdul Basit, they started laughing. Like, they're like, so, so Ustad al Rahim, us. I wasn't going to mention names. So, so, the Ustad, right? The Ustad, uh, the teacher, <laughs> the teacher, the big teacher, he basically was like, you know what? I'm going to, um, 
I'm going, you know, like you guys are in a heap of mess. You know, we're going to beat you up, da 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 And they both start laughing, right? And Abdelbasid was like, so Abdelbasid basically, he knew that some of the teachers were molesters too. Mm-hmm. So he kind of said it out loud. He was like, as long as I live, if I hear that someone is doing, performing any kind of zulm, which injustice, mm-hmm. to anyone, like any kind of oppression, I will, I will take care of it because that's what the Prophet told us to do. I don't care if I die as a consequence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's like, so you can do whatever you want. So then, Abdul Basit's kind of like soft-spoken, right? So he didn't really intimidate the teacher. So the teacher has a stick in his hand, right? He's pretending to be like, you know, serious. Like he's like going like that or like biting his lip, trying to be all like macho. Like such a coward. Anyway, so mm-hmm. he, so he, he's like, you know what? You guys are going to suffer the ultimate punishment. Mm-hmm. He was like, like you, are you ready for that? And so I don't know if you guys know like how a madrasa sitting is, but everyone sits on the floor and there's a long bench with like books on it, right? So Abdul Basit just leans forward, right? My dude's hand is bigger than like my entire existence. Like mm-hmm. he just takes his shoulder, puts it on top of the bot, on the, on the what's that called, right? On the the table, and he leans towards the teacher, and he just puts his hand over here. He takes the stick out of the teacher's hand, and he just like. You know, like, not takes it, but, like, guides it. Uh-huh. And he puts it on his hand. He just taps it a few times, right? And all he says is, guttle. And he starts <laughs> laughing, just says, guttle. The teacher didn't do anything. The teacher just nervously laughed. What does guttle mean? Do it. Do, do, do. do, do. do. Yeah, 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 okay. But he couldn't. What are you going to do? These kids are, these guys are not afraid to get hurt. Yeah. And you can't even hurt them. They're, like, Abdul Basit, maybe. Muhammad Ali? Muhammad Ali is huge. You're not going to beat him. You're, what are you going to do? He's going to laugh while you hit him. Which has happened. You know, like the teacher has like jokingly hit him, but he's like actually tried. And uh, Muhammad Ali laughs. He's like, oh, it feels like a massage. (laughs) (laughs) So so like, you know, like that was, so that's one story I tell people. It's like, that's what I experienced. They just ended up. So they they definitely punished them, but it didn't hurt. Obviously, they were completely fine. But like going Um, forward, anytime you guys had issues with those people, did they take care? After that, after that moment, we never experienced it. Yeah, sure. None of the kids, none it. of the kids experienced you still, it. I, that's impossible. Have you had contact with them? I, I used to when I first lived in New Jersey. Um, but my mom, we were like moving around a lot when we first came to New Jersey trying to figure ourselves out. My mom had like an old Nokia phone with everyone's numbers and it just mm-hmm. shut down and she wasn't able to turn it on again. Oh. And it had everyone's oh. numbers. So I've lost touch. And I... One of my biggest regrets is not keeping in touch with these people because I didn't have any. I didn't have any devices. There was no way for mm. me to capture those numbers. And no, for like you just know from hearing, like I know a story is like a forced perspective and type of thing, but just like hearing that, it's obvious that they have like hearts of gold and like they, some of these people. Get them on the some of these people are um, genuine, amazing people, and I wish that I. I wish that I still was still in contact with them. Like, I it hurt, hurts me. I don't even know if they're alive. I don't know what's going on. Most of these people are from Philippines. They live in the village. You know when that whole tsunami and hurricane yeah. happened? Uh, I don't even know if they're alive after that because it hit where they're from. And you could probably never get in touch with them. I have no way ever. of getting in touch. I don't know. Like, the only way that I can get in touch with them, which is the absolute last way I want to, is I go call back. those teachers and I yeah. go back. And I'm sorry to say, I'm not strong enough to do that yet. Yeah. Like, I eventually want to, but... I still have nightmares of waking up in that madrasa and dealing with the things I've dealt with. It's like legit PTSD, right? And I've I really had to process that and take time to go over that. But I, I still have those nightmares like 10 years like, later 
I still I still feel like you know I still I still it's, right. it's still what haunts me, right? It was, it was four years of your life. Yeah, it was four years of my life, and, and it was, it was like extreme, extremely, extremely traumatizing. So I am. Um, so the second story that I usually tell people it basically explains like the gangness, right? Mm-hmm. There was this one guy who was a Filipino kid. We'll call him Ali too for the story. Uh, he um, he stole everyone's stuff and he ran away basically. Like he got into a few trunks took a bunch of money, took someone's phone. Like, we're not allowed to have devices, so if someone had a secret phone, he took it, and he ran, right? I thought the doors were... So, like, he found a way. He found a way, and he left, right? Basically, what he did was, in the bathroom, we had a lock, small lock and a small gate. That gate, like, outside, took us to the state park. The Dhaka State Park was right next to an airport. So, he was, like, he was trying to escape just to live his life, right? He wasn't planning on going back home. He was trying to live his life. So, what he did was he learned how to pick a lock from one of the Chinese students. It was really cool. Like, we all learned how to do it. It was so awesome. Basically, not... Yeah, we can still do it. So, basically, what it is, it's not picking a lock, but the side of a lock, right? At least those kinds of locks, they have, like, little things, right? Yeah, you have to get the things. So, you had to get them, right? So, what what we were taught was to take um, anything, a knife, whatever, scrape the metal from the side until you see those things, and you can break them by just hitting them with a certain amount of force, right? So, we learned how to break locks. And these are, Bangladesh kind of mass produced these kinds of certain kinds of locks, mm-hmm. right? They're like basically like the locks that you put on your luggage. Yeah, right? small, small ones, uh, right? Small, small, small ones, but, but also a little bit bigger ones too, but not the big, big heavy duty ones. So we learned how to do that with these small ones. So we had a, a medium sized lock on there, which took its, he took its time. He took him a month to scratch all the way till he got to the point. Because keep in mind, he had to do it during his bathroom breaks and while everyone was sleeping right just go all night scrape 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 until he found he found the the parts and then he yeah. had to break it which took time too yeah. as soon as he break it remember after us sir we saw him leave like we talked to him while he was leaving because i didn't think he'll survive i was like you're an idiot he was like watch i'm gonna be enjoying my life while you're stuck here it's like that's true <laughs> so basically so, so i'm kind of confused it's a padlock to so, so it, there was a there was a window in the bathroom. Oh, okay, the window took you outside. Now we're on the sixth floor, but there's a big pipe with like grooves, right? So he basically climbed down the pipe until he got into one of the public bathrooms oh. in the other floors. So the sixth floor, remember I told you, is just a small room. Then there's five big floors. Oh, so he broke the padlock. He back the pipe. So no, no, no. So he broke the padlock to open the window. Yeah. He got out of the window, right? Now he's outside the building on the side, right? On the sixth floor. On the sixth floor, there's a huge pipe that goes all the way down the building, right? He climbed on the pipe down to two floors down to the nearest public bathroom where the window, like where the other bathrooms were, right? With like the other, like not the student bathrooms. Now that the Bigi Jamati bathrooms yeah. were open. Allows you to go directly outside, right? All the student bathrooms are locked. So he was able to climb down the pipe, not in the pipe, but outside of it, right? Through the grooves, just... And the ch- windows just open normally? Because oh, they're not locked. They're yeah, so, hey, yeah, so the, the normal bathrooms are not locked. They're actually open. There's no... There's, like, it's completely, like, windowless. It's just yeah. open, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're driving through that highway or that main road, you can actually see people showering in there. It's actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, like, these... Because we all shower, like, with buckets outside, right? right. So, so he... This guy, so this guy... He had to spend a month doing, like, picking the lock. Yeah. He had to climb down. I imagine it was unsafe. Yeah, it was not safe at all. He felt he would have died. Six floors. Six floors up, yeah. Yeah. He had to do that. He had to steal the money, too. He stole the money from everyone. He created a lot of enemies by doing that, by the way. I would imagine. And then he he disappeared. So he was gone for two months. No one knew what happened to him. We all just assumed that he was just living his life, right? My dude comes back extremely, like, battered up one day. I was like, whoa, Ali's back, yo. Like, that's crazy, right? Like... 
I remember when he left, I completely forgot he existed, right? Because it was sometime, not two years, two months, a lot longer. But it was definitely enough time where you just forget about him, right? You're like, he's gone. He's gone. He's living his life. He's enjoying his life. But here's the thing. He stole money from people. And he oh, stole Lord. money from people that were the opposite side of the gang, right? Like that, the other gang. So Why did he come back? He didn't, he kind, so what happened was he was, he, was, he was traveling with a group of people and he was pretending to be something he's not. I'm not going to mention what kinds of people they are, but mm-hmm. in Bangladesh and Pakistan, there's certain groups of people that tend to just go around making dua for people and they identify as a certain kind of, you know, whatever. I don't know if you guys are catching my drift, but basically we'll just call them like, oh. we'll just call it like, for, I don't want to, I don't want to like discriminate anything like that. So we're going to use an uh, Basically, just imagine a bunch of, like, gypsies, right? We're just going to use that word, gypsies, right? Yeah. So there are, like, a bunch of gypsies that travel around. So he pretended to be a gypsy, too, so right? So clarify after, but yeah. Yeah, so he pretended to be a gypsy, and he kind of got caught, and he got, he got, um, uh, like, he got, like, they, they ganged up on him, right? So they beat him up, took all of his belongings, and they left. Okay. So he had nowhere to go. No money, no nothing. The only place he could come back to was here, where we, right. where, you know, the teacher had his money and his stuff, his passport and everything, because the teacher keeps all that, right, right. in his lock. So, just to yeah. just to clarify, what he was, I I think I have an idea. Uh, if necessary, we can end up looking at anything. Yeah, but like, do you mean like he was like um, like you know those people that uh, I think this is a problem in India and Pakistan where they like fake being saints. Yeah, I was gonna say that. That's like, he's a pretend like. No, so he wasn't pretending to be a saint. He was pretending to be like he was pretending to be transgendered. So in Pakistan uh, and Bangladesh, there's a groups of people who they're not necessarily men they're transgender who dress like women right and uh, basically they're like s- some people in our com- countries believe that if you there if they make dua for you it's granted right so they just walk they walk around in groups and you know actually people do believe in this stuff so it's it's very interesting um but i was kind of hesitating to mention that because i don't want to come off as like whatever right like it's just a reality it's just right, a reality right, of the story so anyway so he was pretending to be one of them then they realized he wasn't, so they beat him up. So he was dressing as... He was dressing like a woman and walking around with a bunch of guys that did the same thing. Or not a bunch of guys, but a bunch of people, right? Mm-hmm. Who were doing the same thing. So but how he, did he get caught? Like, like, I don't know the details. No, I, what, part of, what, what entails getting caught if they're all pretending? Uh, well, they're not pretending. They identify as something, right? Like people with maybe multiple sexual um, uh, organs, right? Mm-hmm. Like stuff like that. So it's like, I don't know what that term is. Like, what can, what are you if you're that? Like, it's not, I don't think it's transgender. It's something else, right? But I don't want to like get into that. It's like just a whole nother thing. But it's irrelevant for the story. He was he was hanging out with those people. He ended up getting caught. He got beaten up. He was, all of his stuff was stolen and he basically had to come back. So it was after Fajr. It was after Fajr. The teacher's sleeping. We're all memorizing Quran, right? We're all like going back and forth, memorizing Quran, right? And... One of the kids that he stole from, one of the guys, got up. Till today, I can't explain what happened next, but all I know is that we all knew what to do. Because it, it never happened before, but we all still knew what to do. As soon as he got up, the other kid got up. The kid, Ali, who stole. He got up because he knew it was coming. He had to pay his dues. He stole from someone. He needed to suffer the consequences for it. No one was going to save him. Not his gang. Not his group of like students not the teachers no the teachers were both by the way knocked out right like one of them was not there the other one the the mean one was knocked out so as soon as both of them get up we all start reading louder like louder to the point where we can drown out what's about to happen right we're all like louder going you know like going and then they get into the middle of the classroom they punch each other like anything was like 
boom, 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 so quick, right? Blood just squirts out of this kid's face, right? Ali's they, face. They fight each other, he punches him. They, they, like, they're, they, uh, Ali tries to defend himself, but this guy was obviously, like, yeah. Ali's also beaten up from before, you know what yeah. I mean? So, this is literally a day after he comes back, because he came back at, in the evening, and this is the first time that they had alone time. Not really alone time, but, but teacher's, knocked teacher's knocked out, right? It's the only time. So, this guy beats, beats Ali up, Ali tries to defend himself, he's not able to, blood squirts on the floor, Teacher wakes up after hearing the thud noises, right? Because Ali, like, stumbles and falls. And then the other kid quickly goes and sits down. And he starts reading Quran like nothing happened. So all the teacher wakes up. All he sees, everyone is reading out loud. Ali is on the floor, like, with bl- and there's blood on the ground. He's like, Ali, what happened, right? And Ali gets up, starts cussing him out in Filipino. But, you know, he's not admitting to what happened. He's like, what happened? He's like, I fell. And he sat down and started reading Quran, right? No one snitched. He got so mad. He's like, "What? what's going on? He's asking everyone. No one's announcing. I'm, my brother and I are obviously not going to snitch. We're like, no, nothing happened. You just tripped. Yeah. Didn't you hear him? Right? And you know what's so funny? Is literally like two days later, those two guys were just chilling having a great time. Because they... The guy, they, they, stole, from the guy who yeah. stole from The guy who beat him up. Yeah. Because they handled their business. You know, like that's the kind yeah. of lifestyle we live. Like, you know, like people who got molested and the, the molesters, they, we, we hung out. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, there's no way to like, there's no way to explain it, right? But it's just like that was our reality, right? Mm-hmm. For four years. But I wouldn't lie if there weren't times that I wanted to take my knife out of the pillow and just, you know, just like consider ending it because you know that's, but because it's survival. But at that time, that's not the smartest move. You know, you want to survive. You don't want to end up putting yourself in a worse situation, especially if no one believes you. Right. So those are the two stories I basically say. I mention everyone when I talk about my time there. Mm-hmm. So I spent four years there. Is there anything you want to take out? Um, I don't know. We can discuss that after. Yeah, it's, uh, so, yeah. so, um, so yeah, so I, I'm sorry if any of that was uncomfortable, by no, the way. Dude, like, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry if that took a lot of time, too. Oh, I'm so interested. <laughs> like, that was, yeah. that was really good. Yeah, so, I understand why no one believes you, because yeah. if I didn't, if I wasn't familiar with your character before, like how we talked off the podcast, and we just met for the first time you said this, I'd be like, shut the hell up <laughs> right now. Yeah. This did yeah. not happen. And this is not even the, this is the thing, it's not even the worst that's happened, right? So like, that's, and a lot of things just like, they just work out. That's like if I ever, if I ever wrote a book, the theme would be how things just work out. Like, yeah. gadam, right? Like it's yeah. such a beautiful thing. Because there's no way to explain. Other for anonymous viewers yeah. is, is just like the, the, power of Allah to like things just happen because Allah will send them. There's no way to explain how I'm here today talking to that's you yeah, like, and I went through those things right and that's why a lot of people didn't believe me and people still continue not to and it's completely fine because I don't need to prove myself to anyone right mm-hmm. like that's my life um so anyway so back to the thing just, so just a yeah. side story half half your lifetime ago you were in that situation basically in prison as a child right yeah. do you what I'm assuming you do like sometimes you just stop and think right what goes through your mind that you just you're here now see sitting on a couch talking about this on our on our podcast like what's running through your head just thinking about that so you know how like in the beginning of 2020 there was like a 10-year challenge thing going on mm-hmm. I didn't post anything for the 10-year challenge mm-hmm. but 10 years ago I came to New Jersey 10 years ago you know for so the madrasa, four years I left, four years was over. My mom finally had enough of what things were going on between my stepfather. We decided enough's enough. She packed her stuff. With the only the only money that she had left, she used it to buy us tickets. Um, and we left. We came to New Jersey. We had nothing going for us. Do you have family here? Um, yeah, so my mom's sister lives here. 
she's um, her son's actually very well known mm-hmm. um, in the Muslim community. But you know, they were there. They've been established in New Jersey for a while, so they were kind enough to open their welcome us to their home. And I will be forever grateful. Like, if there's anyone in my entire family who I get like who I get along with very well, it's actually my mom's older sister and her husband. Like, mm-hmm. I consider my khalu and my khalami. My khalu is like, like I, I don't know if I've ever admitted it to him, but he's like a father figure to me. He's mm-hmm. like he's the closest thing to a father figure I've ever had. And like, I I genuinely like when I see him play with my when I see him play with my son, I like I have I have genuine like pride and honor for mm-hmm. that. Right. And my khalami, who's so like, it's very funny. So my mom's a very, uh, my mom's a very like, she's semi chaotic in the positive sense. Like she's mm-hmm. very like, like people love her. She loves to like party in the way, but she's a huge, she's a nikabi and everything. But uh-huh. she's like, she will, you know, if you hang out with her, you'll have a great time, mm-hmm. right? As a person, um, a lot of young women have definitely benefited from her presence, right? But I'm nothing like my mom. I'm actually very similar to my mom's older sister. Mm-hmm. Like I'm more analytical. I'm more reserved, right? So I've 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 gone I've I've you know I've definitely benefited from my my aunt's wisdom and my 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 uncle's support too. Yeah. Like these are just two people who like continuously like I'm just like grateful that they're in my life. Um, so they they welcomed us to their home. We stayed there for about six months, trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Around this time, you know, my mom was trying to get me into the the Islamic school I was talking about, and the yeah. things that happened there, right? Where my story got out in the community because some teacher told their son, and you know what the teacher told the son like. You're lucky he didn't go through what Daniel went through. Like, imagine what he's gone through when he's working hard. You know what I mean? You should be more grateful. It's and that's how it started. That, man. It's always and that, man. It's always that. And that was it. That was it. And this kid didn't privately come to me. He goes in front of everyone in class and no, he says wait, it. Wait, wait, how old were you? We were kids. You know, like, they, and they were, that's what I mentioned to you, right? My mother told you that I got bullied when I first came to New Jersey. How am I going to blame these kids? They don't know. They don't understand what these things are. When you when you tell even a remote of anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're not going to get it. Some, some people are going to think this is weird. This is, you know, like... And, you know, like, it literally sounds like it came from a movie. So, obviously, people are going to think that yeah, I'm lying. You yeah. can't write this. Yeah, yeah, so I was I was just like... No, the thing is, you can only write this. Yeah, like, like it's you like... Cannot- for people, no, I was like, yeah, people cannot experience this. Like, there's no way they yeah. can experience this unless it comes from like a movie or something. Exactly. Like, so I don't blame. I agree. With you. I don't blame the yeah. kids, but why, man? All I know. the stories that teachers think. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But this is why Islamic schools in general should be investing in actual teachers no, that, and not parents. No, you know, that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, not like obviously, like. Like I know you don't like this, but like obviously the stuff I've uh, we've I've gone through is not the same as yours. But like, I've had experiences like not my stories, but like other stories. Like I used to think that it is a good thing, and on some level it is. Like the Islamic schools are more like family. Like I can go to my teacher and talk informally and just like chill and be like, oh yeah, yo, what's up? And it'll be a nice conversation, right? And they're close, and we can be informal with each other. But with that, on the flip side, is a lot of stuff is very unprofessional. Like you you cannot say things and expect there to be a certain level of profession yeah that's a problem right like just i know that a lot of muslim organizations strive to like they strive to have that like family dynamic yeah but there it comes with it yeah there's pros to that but there's also cons are those cons worth it in my opinion not yeah in my opinion not i feel like you can definitely be a strong team a strong unit and be semi like personal that's completely fine be vulnerable sure it's great right that you have that level of trust but in terms of the consequences, those should not be relaxed. There should be levels of professionalism to avoid, yeah. you know, like to make sh- to prevent sexual harassment, right. to prevent discrimination, to prevent all the other kinds of isms that are bad, right? 
Um, and that's why it's important not to, you know, like get too comfortable. And that's, you know, it's not, it's, it's only to be, be it's only for our benefit. Right. You know, it's not for anything else. It's not to make life hard for anyone. But anyway, so uh, I do want to like put this a close so we can have other like fruitful conversations. <laughs> but basically, you know, this like great, I came to, <laughs> I came to New Jersey in 2010. Um, I was a 15 year old kid who did not know how to multiply or divide. I barely, I knew how to read. My siblings were illiterate, right? They mm-hmm. did not know anything. And they were like, they were, had a lot harder than I did. And how did I catch up? So like I mentioned, I'm 25 and I have my, I got, I, I graduated on time with yeah, everything. Was, so wait, how did I do that? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, 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 that's what I was about to ask. Through the back, right? Real quick, can you check on that? Defeated the purpose of making a waveform. All right, ready? Ah! All right. Awesome. So, um, how I caught up. So, 2010, I came to New Jersey, right? Still trying to figure out myself. Now, here's the thing. I have not been in a professional school environment for over eight years. So, I don't know what the ranking and societal ranking is and stuff like that. I was told that because I was 15, I should have been in ninth grade, right? Mm -hmm. In my head, I'm like, I'll be thankful if I'm in third grade, Mm -hmm. right? Because in my head, remember, I'm used to being around people older than me, even in the madrasa. So I'm thinking, there's no, it's not embarrassing if I'm a bunch of, if I'm around a bunch of kids, because that's, I'm thinking I should be in a class based off of my academic, academic level, not in terms of my age. You know what I mean? So exactly, I didn't know that. So when I went to Islamic school, I was play- so I remember this. <laughs> remember we interviewed with them, right? And they were like, "Sure, we'll give you like a discount for a year, right?" So we were we came in the middle of the school year. So I remember this like it was yesterday. The principal, the vice principal, she yeah, he takes me, and you know he's like talking to me. And I was supposed to take a placement exam, and based on the placement exam, they were going to determine what my academic level was going to be, and then they were going to tutor me based off of like you know mm-hmm. to give me some extra class or whatever. Like awesome. I never took an act- a test. Mm. The guy literally walks me to the hallway, and then he's like, so how old are you? I was like, I'm 15. He's like, oh, okay. Um, and then he looks at this kid. I'm sure you guys know him. You know Tosif? Yeah, yeah. Tosif Alam? Yeah. Just went to Chicago recently. Yeah, so Tosif is a good friend of mine. So yeah. Tosif Alam was in trouble. <laughs> Sorry, Tosif. So <laughs> Tosif Alam was outside the, uh, outside the class, right? And he's just chilling there, right? That Tosif was tall for his age. And I was short. So I'm Tosif's height, right? No, no, Tosif's actually taller than me. So Tosif, so he's like, he. I remember he literally looked at Tosif. I saw his eyes. He looked at Tosif and he looked at me. Then he looks at Tosif. He's like, Tosif, what grade are you in? He's like, brother, I'm in seventh grade. He was like, Daniel, I think you're supposed to be in seventh grade. <laughs> now my uneducated self I'm like my my uneducated self was like oh i'm skipping like third fourth fifth sixth grade this is awesome you know i'm already at a good start so (laughs) i'm happy right i didn't realize that this is bad (laughs) i'm like laughing because i don't know how to i feel like if i get i'm infuriated but i'm just laughing (laughs) at how in oh my god i thought so so I ended up going to seventh grade uh-huh. and while there the kids were learning like pre-algebra and whatever right I was in the corner getting sheet handouts right that were on my level but here's the thing for some of my classes they didn't even teach me anything mm. like they just gave me handouts on things I already knew yeah. so the year passed and I looked at my grades I thought I was gonna fail I got all A's it's mm-hmm. like why did I get all A's then everything made sense when I found out that the teachers knew my story so basically what ended up happening was that the teachers were trying to be considerate of the fact that 
I've experienced a traumatized life, that they were worried that if they kind of showed me the harsh realities of grades or whatever, mm-hmm. well, this is my this is what I've been told. I don't know how true it is. But basically, by they all agreed by, by a few people. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to out anyone. But I basically found out that they didn't take me seriously. Okay. They weren't challenging me. Mm-hmm. Some were. Some were. I'm not saying that all of them were like that. But majority of them, you know, they weren't. Because there's no way that I got A's for 7th grade level when I'm 3rd grade level math and English and everything. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no way. So I left the school. And I didn't leave the school because of the fact that they did that. I actually loved the school. I loved the teachers. I loved everything about it. I wanted to stay there. But that's when um, another school opened up. I'm not going to mention the name, but you guys know what they are. <laughs> yeah. Like we talked off camera. Yeah. We're not gonna, I'm not going to mention the name because I don't want to expose anyone. Wait, another, you're already on this school. No. <laughs> so, well, so there's another school. There's another school that I moved to. And then this new you school. opened up recently. Yeah, so this new school opened up recently, right? And. Oh, yeah. And I was, and they were looking for like new kids, like, you know, like anyone who they can get, anyone under their mama, right? And like this, like, if you know anything about the school, there was a lot of challenges that they faced due to the fact that they just didn't have a certain criteria or whatever. So... Is it like a specific criteria or just like several things? Like, there's so so many ways. Like, parents were teachers, you know, people weren't getting paid, students were not taken seriously, a lot of delinquents came to the school because it was like, you know, you didn't have to pay for tuition if your teacher, if your parent was a teacher. It was very weird, right? But it was needed because a lot of the Islamic schools were very, like, alpha, like, you know, like, they were trying to, they were trying to cater to a higher paid demographic. This school was addressing the needs of community members who couldn't afford Islamic Mm -hmm. school. So, for... The demographic, it was what was needed. We didn't have a choice, you know, like, and people had a lot worse than I did that were there. So that's one thing I really liked is that my story was not like, oh my God, you went through that? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I kind of went through something similar. You know, like, that's what I would hear, right? And the principal wasn't like, you know what? Oh, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. He's like, well, you know what? It's time to work hard so you can catch up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how he was because he went through a lot of stuff and to did himself. You appreciate that? I really did. I really did. I feel like I didn't need. I didn't need someone, like, feeling bad for me. Yeah. I came to... And I like I said, my first year in the United States, like, back in the United States, was very difficult. I was, like... I was ex- severely depressed. I was going through so much. I was just, like, I lost hope in myself. I was, like, mm-hmm. now what? You know what I mean? Like, how am I going to thrive in this world? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I have no education. You know, I come from a poor family, right? Like, I'm the oldest son. My mom is single. Like, what am I going to do? I had all yeah. this pressure. And I was I was terrified. I didn't mm-hmm. know what I was going to do. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala subhanAllah works in mysterious ways that till now I cannot even comprehend and my stories don't make sense because they can't comprehend it, right? But it's just a reality. So what happened was is that before I went to the school, this is what the, te- this is what the principal said. The principal, like what the, their board basically, or their, their team said that we will actually give them a placement exam. Based off of that, we'll put them in where they, where they belong. So like Daniel, he's supposed to be in 10th grade now. What I think we can do for him is put him in 9th grade maybe even 10th grade based off of how he scores, right? I took the placement exam. They told me that I, I should be good for 9th grade. I don't believe that. I think they didn't even re- review my exam. Uh-huh. It was just a formality, oh, I right? Hope, and then the whole I don't, I don't, I, I still don't. There's no way I placed 9th grade. Trust me, there's no way I placed 9th grade, right? It doesn't make sense. You missed like half. I don't know how to divide. Right. Forget about algebra. Yeah. I don't know how to divide. I barely know how to multiply two digits. You know what I mean? Like I was still on a single digit div- multiplication, right? The only two digit multiplication I could do was 10 because of the zero. You know? like, <laughs> so I, I was, I didn't, I didn't learn anything, you know? Yeah. So anywho, I, um, 
I remember the first day of school. So elementary to high school, we're all there, right? It's the uh-huh. first day of school. It's a new building for them and everything. So everything systems are new, by the way. Uh-huh. I didn't think about any of this. This, by the way, everything that's I'm about to mention, I, I free, I, I, I did it out of impulse. Mm-hmm. Didn't think, didn't scheme, nothing, right? I just did it and it worked out. We all, we all walk into the into the main floor, right? Uh-huh. And they're telling everyone to line up in their grades. So. I stand in the ninth grader section because I remember them telling me that they're going to place me into ninth grade. But when they're doing the roll call, I hear my name in the eighth grade class. Then I realize, oh my God, the exam was just a formality. They were just going to put me in eighth grade because I just came from seventh grade. They didn't actually look at my grades. I was like, no, they told me I was going to be in ninth grade or at the maybe even 10th grade. Let me just see what happens, right? And I'm not, so I stayed in the line. So then when it was time for ninth grade and we all went to the classroom, the homeroom teacher is putting the, you know, doing the, the you know, doing roll call, whatever, yeah. attendance. And he's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm dying. I was like, your name is not on my roster. I was like, oh, you know, I, I just took a placement exam. Maybe my name is on the system. So, okay, come with me. He takes me to the front desk lady. I'm like, oh my God, it's over. I'm going to get expelled. You know, I'm, 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 I'm going to have to go back to Madrasa. I just like to interject one thing. Wait, your mic's over there, by the way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just want to interject one thing. You have gone... From, you have gone from fearing for your life, right, in a prison-like gang system, to now being worried about getting caught. <laughs> 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 Are you great? I thought you were about to. Like, yeah. I thought you were about to. I was like, terrified. Like, like they're like, they're like, we're gonna explain. You're like, go <laughs> No man, it was a whole new world for me. You know what I mean? Like, like in a, any other madrasa, I would have like, I would have been like a cocky guy. Like, you know, like I do your worst. You know, like I've seen the worst. But in in this world, it was all new, and I wanted to serve. I I I wanted to do something. You know, like I I needed to survive. You know, like. Because the alternative was not so pretty, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I did consider, so yeah. I didn't want to go down that route. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very, it was a very dark time for me. Like mm-hmm. just putting it, like putting it lightly, it was a very dark time. Mm-hmm. My mom still has drawings of like what I, of what I used to draw back then in the day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I get terrified of seeing what I used to like produce because I, I, I enjoy art as a hobby. Yeah. So like I express myself through my art because I didn't really talk a lot. Mm-hmm. So like it was a very dark time. So that so I, I really needed this for myself. Like this was important for me. This was going to be my savior, which right. was like something to look forward to. Right. So and I, I subconsciously knew that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I wasn't actively pursuing it, but it was like my body was just instinctively instinctively doing that because it knew it needed to survive yeah. that way. Yeah. Or maybe in my mind, God knows what, right? Yeah. So um so the teacher goes to the front the front the front desk, and literally this is what he says, and I love him for it, right? because <laughs> at this one only at this time i was happy he was a teacher he was a parent and not an actual teacher because he was like this kid is not on my roster add him to my roster <laughs> that's it <laughs> he was like question it right and because they were such a new system the teacher the girl was like what's your name honey okay he's on that's it no background question oh no God. nothing so i skipped one year that way now <laughs> academically i'm only one year behind right yeah this is where so so how they used to teach some of our classes in ninth and tenth grade together yeah. and 11th and 12th grade together yeah. the principal's son at the time was in the school and he, the principal created a 
And now that I'm saying this, people who are from that school are going to know what school this is. Because they're going to know for this specific program. So they created a particular program for people who wanted to graduate early with a four-year diploma. So if you want to graduate from high school early... Yeah, so when you want to graduate early, you usually take a GED, right? You take the GED exam, and then you get a GED, which means that you can start... You can go to college with that. It's an equivalent... a friend that did this. So just in case you didn't know what school it was... Wait, he did this? Yeah, let's not talk. Okay, we don't want to like give. We don't want to name and shame. So, so, so basically, so you can be in 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 real life. What you can do is that if you want to graduate school early for whatever reason, right? You think you're done, whatever. There's a certain you need to take a certain level of classes, yes, but then you need to take the GED exam. Yeah, yeah. When you take the GED exam, that allow that becomes a replacement for you to get into college. Not every college takes it, but some do. Community colleges most of the time take it. So, no, I don't think Rutgers does. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, but I know that Middlesex takes it. So. I um. So in this school, what they do is they don't even get, let you take the GED. They give you a four-year diploma, like you graduated four years of high school mm-hmm. in three years. But they have they have requirements. The requirements were that, from the top of my head, I don't remember the details, but it was basically you needed to have a certain average GPA, mm-hmm. you needed to memorize the Quran, you needed to take a few classes from college, like I'm not talking about AP classes, like mm-hmm. going to college and actually taking them, and you needed to have a certain SAT score. For public school standards, it wasn't that high. But for this Islamic school with a bunch of delinquents, it was incredibly high. It was nearly yeah. impossible for you to get that. Well, you but need to be Hafiz to get this. You need to be Hafiz to get this, right? So it was like, it was nearly impossible for a lot of these kids. Mm-hmm. Thankfully for me, I memorized 15 Jews in Bangladesh, so I only had 15 Jews left. And this Islamic school was not very strict on the madras, this, the the Quranic studies. Like they were in the beginning of the school, so they were very pushy about just quickly memorize, quickly memorize, quickly memorize. Don't need a review. Don't need a review. Don't need a review. Yeah, yeah. So because of that, you end up forgetting. So I used to tell the teacher, I cannot do that. I need to memorize the last fifteen because I'm gonna forget them. But he was like, No, 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 no. You have enough years to stay in the school. You're going to remember it anyways. So yeah, that's one thing to that happened, right? So anywho, um. So the, he created that program specifically for his sons who all graduated early. Oh, so th- so just to clarify, is that yeah. how they like? Did they want to like kind of pump out Hafaz? Like, they wanted to pump out Hafaz to spread, you know, like showcase right, it to yeah, other yeah. people so they can be like, oh my god, there's this many Hafaz, right? Wait, right, right. Is, is this? I don't know if you have to edit this. Is this is this allowed? Like legally allowed? Because you said well, it's a know? private school, so there's very there's a lot more they can get away with. Yeah. No, but they give you a four-year diploma even though you only spent three years. Yeah, so as long as you meet the legal requirements, which in this case yeah. you do, you take extra math classes, extra English classes, extra science classes, right? You kind of make like up after it. school or like and whatever way you do, you just need to show proof on how you did it, right? right. Oh, so okay, so it makes so you took the classes. You took the classes. You just crammed it up in three yeah, years, yeah, right? Yeah, but yeah. then there's other things, and then they'll right. let you. So yeah. so that's what they required you to do. That's why you had to take the college classes. Yeah. So. I heard about this from the student who was the son of the principal. And I was like, do you think I can do that too? Mm-hmm. Because I told him, I was like, if I do that, I'll graduate on time. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be in college. You're caught up. Man. I'll be caught up. And I was like, I never would imagine. You know, like, no way. Like, you know, that would be amazing. So he was like, you can. You know, you just got to do the things. But he's like, I don't think you'll be able to. I was like, we'll see. So I remember the first year. <laughs> Now I'm in ninth grade, right? I lied. I'm in ninth grade, and I barely know anything. And I remember that they were splitting us up to algebra and pre-algebra classes. And I went to the pre-algebra teacher. She was this Singaporean lady. And I remember I went to her in the corner, and I just started crying. And I was like, sister, 
I lied and I got into this class. Please don't tell on me. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going through so much. Like I, I just, I just, I, don't, I, I. It was just a mess. I just, mm-hmm. I just like. Those I, are genuine. Like you, yeah, it just yeah, came out. Yeah, it all came out. I just started crying, and yeah, she mm-hmm. was just like, she just calmed me down. She heard my story. She started crying, and she was like, Daniel, this is what we're going to do. You and I are going to take pre-algebra together because that's the lowest class that you can take in the school mm-hmm. for your grade. But every day after class, for one hour, you're going to sit with me and we're going to go over preliminary steps that you need to take for the equations that you're going through in pre-algebra. So for example, if you're required fractions, we were going to review fractions beforehand so I can have it fresh in my head. Basically, like, you know, in college, when you take a class, you just take it to remember your assignment, and then you forget after the class is over. And she spent an hour with you. She spent an hour every single day. Not only did she do that, but she also spoke to a few other other my teachers, and they did the same thing for me. So my science teacher did the same thing. My English teacher, who's, like, a very close friend of my mom's now, did the same thing for me. One-on-one? Just one-on-one. We spent so much time together just learning. At the same time, Hamza, my mom was able to fork up some money, and we went to tutoring after class, mm-hmm. and Khan Academy was my best friend. Oh, my like, God. Like, this yeah. is before it blew up. It was like, I just, like, this is around 2000 and 2011 time, right, when it was fairly new, and he was the only instructor, right? Mm-hmm. And it only had high school-level classes. Back in the old days. Yeah, right? back in the old days, right? Now it's like it's like a whole, like, mm-hmm. and there's, like, instructors yeah, see, and yeah, badges yeah, yeah. and a whole thing, right? So, like... Are in touch with those teachers? Yeah, I won't... I can only imagine how much you Some of them, some of them. Yeah. And about some of them, like, I, I still am to a certain degree, not as much as I would like to, but I have genuine appreciation for who they are. I'm not in touch with a Singaporean sister, unfortunately. She left that year, like, after that year. Know. But the other ones who were there throughout them, I'm still in touch with them, yeah. So... And I just have to ask this. Yeah, yeah. They, they, did they know your story? or they like? So some of eventually all of them found out. Okay. Not everything, but majority of it. Mm-hmm. But they right? mostly did it because they wanted to help you, genuinely help you. No, they knew I struggled. Like I told them. But yeah, like they, they didn't do it because they were getting paid or anything. None exactly. of them got that's paid. What, that's what, yeah, none yeah. Of, yeah, none of them got paid. They all did it out of the kindness of their heart. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Right? So they, they and that's something I really appreciate. So, so that's something I would do, right? And I really had to study hard to catch up. Um, and I remember, okay, so then the kid graduated, right? That The principal's son graduated that year. The next year, I go to the principal. I was like, I want to do this, right? Yeah. So I, now I'm in 10th grade, right? Alhamdulillah, I graduated 9th grade with really high scores mm-hmm. um, because I worked my butt off. Are you, you know? caught up now, though? Like, No, I'm still behind. I'm challenged. I'm struggling with a lot of things. Also, you got to keep in mind, the Islamic school standards were also very low, too. Right. So I was like, I made it to the Islamic school standards of education. I didn't make it to the real life mm-hmm. You know, standard yeah. of education. And there was a lot of ways that you could have finessed it. So I'm very lucky in that way that I, I, if it was a public school, I probably wouldn't have survived, right? Mm-hmm. But Azmanta put me in a place that I needed to survive, right? Yeah. And that's what happened. Now, earlier I told you that, you know, um, this Islamic school in particular, they gave discounted or no cost tuition to some families mm-hmm. if the parents decided that they were going to teach. Now, my mom, she's at this point, she's like physically like, She's going through disability because she's super sick. She's gone mm-hmm. through so much. Basically, the trauma of all those things that she experienced. My mom my mom has quite a story herself, mm-hmm. too. She, like, she, at this point, was just, like, she was just struggling, right? So she couldn't do it. So instead, I had to make up for that. So I would, like, volunteer every single day. So basically, I w- the school became my life. I was there to, like, I would come, like, at, after Fajr, and I would leave at, like, 8 o'clock at night, right? Mm-hmm. Like, volunteering with everything. It was so funny. There would be some classes, like, I'm taking the class, mm-hmm. and after the class, I'm grading the papers with the teachers. Mm-hmm. Right? And we were just, like, we were just bonding while doing it, right? Like, it wasn't, and it, it was no favoritism at all, right? Mm-hmm. It was just genuine me. And, like, a lot of people used to, like, 
criticize me and tell me like I was a kiss up or you know like a teacher's pet. I genuinely wasn't. I just I felt more comfortable being around people who were older than me than people who were younger than me or my That's age. It's just so awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I used to hang out with them all the time. And there's this one guy, and I'm gonna give a shout out right now. His name is Brother Esan. Esan, um, I forgot his last name, Popel, I think. So he's a, he's Afghani, right? Is that, um, does he have a son? He doesn't have a son, but he has the relatives that I, I, I don't think you guys know. But if you're, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think you know them. Yeah, I, I think I know them based on last name. Yeah, so, so there, so Brother Esan was this young teacher who just came, I think, during the end of my first year or during the beginning of the second year. And he was our biology teacher, basically a science teacher. He was someone who was studying to become a doctor, like to get to med school. Mm-hmm. And he was just cool. He was really good at ball. I, you know, like um, all the kids used to love him. And um, he used to wonder, like, why would I stay so late, right? And then one day he was like, uh, why don't you... Like, he was like, I'll drop you off home. Mm-hmm. And he was driving me off home. And, you know, like he just asked me questions. And I told him it was late at night. Around, it was like 9, 10 o'clock. And we just bonded. Like, I told him everything. And he just, like, for the first time ever, a male figure. Like, a male figure. Someone who, like, I looked up to, right? Like, like acknowledged my existence, one. Mm-hmm. And then told me that I can do it. Right? Like, that was the first time. And then it just, like, it just compiled after that. He wasn't the only one. So many other people who, like, you know, like, Sister Salafa, Sister... Sister, um, Sister Mariam, right? Uh, Sister Koser, um, other brother Hassan. Um, there's a few other people too, right? Whose names like I just can't bring up mm-hmm. at the moment. I can't think of them. But like these people, and these were the same teachers that these spent were their all time. teachers who spent time after school. They advocated for me. They pushed me. They encouraged me to grow, and they challenged me. And mm-hmm. um, you know, outside of the resources of the school, which is very important, they did it. On their own time and honestly man if it wasn't for them i wouldn't have the love that i have for education mm-hmm. i wouldn't have gone i wouldn't have gotten this far if it weren't for these people right so they so they really encouraged me so um the principal he challenged me he was like sure if you can meet the requirements i'll let you graduate in 11th grade so i remember it was now 11th grade i'm almost done with all the all the um requirements and i memorized the quran but i really didn't i just cheated my way through it because that's what they were like they literally encouraged you in some way to do that like i remember i would literally check the paper in front of him and i was a kid right so he looks at me he doesn't say anything i'm like okay so i'm just reading off of the quran he's just smiling because he's just like you know i just need to write you off right so i i don't call myself a hafiz even though that you know like that that school recognizes me as one i do like love them and appreciate all of them and they're great people right um, but at the same time, I hold myself to a higher standard now, and I don't. I just don't acknowledge that yeah. accomplishment, right? So, because I don't remember anything, so you're just not. You're just not. I have a certain definition of, hufa, of what it means right. to be a hafid. I'm just not that simple, but right. So, so I memorized the Quran. I remember I took a. I took a. I went to Middlesex and I took classes during the summer. I took a geometry, which I cried in class and at home because of how hard it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I took like some other math classes. I took psychology, which I fell in love with. I was acing that class as a, like a high schooler, mm-hmm. and then later on at the end of the class, the teacher told everyone that I was a high schooler and I wasn't. I wasn't a college student, uh-huh. and they were like, "No way!" Because like I was literally answering questions left and right. Um, but I, that's, I, I, at that time, I didn't know I was going to pursue psychology because mm-hmm. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a doctor because my mom wanted me to be a doctor, not because I wanted to be one. Yeah. I wanted to be an artist. That's something I still want to be. Oh. Um, but I, um, there was something that I was good at and something I wanted to do. I was good at 
connecting with people. I was good at, you know, seeing the little, like, between the lines, hearing between the, understanding the silence, yeah. right? Things that people my age weren't able to do at that time, right? Um, so, but I, but I enjoyed art. I enjoyed videography. I enjoyed drawing. I enjoyed, you know, like, and I had this, like, whole dilemma, which is, like, is it halal to draw comic books or whatever, mm -hmm. right? So this kind of prevented me from growing in that field, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But anyways, um, I remember in the middle or in the beginning of 11th grade, the principal comes to me and the principal is like, oh, we've increased the requirements of you graduating early. So I was like, oh, dang, you know, like I, I literally just accomplished them. Right. Yeah. So he was like, I was like, and by this point, you had basically been done with them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I so I, I was like, OK, what are the accomplishments? He's like, uh, what is your SAT score again? I realized what he was trying to do. So I lied. I gave him a lower number. I was like, this is my score. And it was a ridiculously low score, right? Which I thought he was going to expect from me, right? Mm. So he was like, oh, this is the score. And I pretended to get all sad. But the reality is I already got that score. Yeah. So I was like, I was like pretending to be sad and everything. Wow. And I was like, wait, oh. what was the point of him doing that for him? I, I realized later, he tells me later on what was the reason, right? So because um, I was the only kid on track to graduating early, right? Eventually, eventually later on, I found out he had a conversation with me. At this point, I'm basically like part of their family. Like yeah. everyone, all the teachers know me. All the teachers. One, I started the student council in that school, mm -hmm. and I, you know, what's funny? I started the student council by watching an anime. So I don't know what student councils Which are. <laughs> Angel Beats. So oh I, my God. yeah. <laughs> oh so my God. for those of you who don't know, Angel Beats is an anime about what happens to kids when they pass away, but they're not being sent to heaven. So what happens in between? They're kind of mm. coming to terms. Like too. Limbo, yeah. yeah, they're kind of coming to terms with their death and everything like that. So they live in this, they live in the school setting, right? Um, and they're supposed to live their lives as regular high schoolers. It's, it's very poetic when you think about it, but I'm not spoiling it. But basically, the main, the main characters are part of a club mm -hmm. that is designed to fight God, right? But they attend right. club activities and stuff like that. And I was like, hmm. And I watched Clan Ed too at the same time. And the Spring Festival and all that. How all the, you know, they had the student body, president and all this. I was like, this is amazing. It's like a government in a school. I didn't know that public schools and all that had that. Because keep yeah. in mind, I never went there, right? So I was like, I was telling my, I was telling my, my teachers and my mm -hmm. advisor, I was like, I want to start this. Like, yeah, this is a student, this is a student council. We mm -hmm. can start one. So I started the whole thing. I launched the whole thing. You didn't I, get elected. Did I you? got, I became the president. Okay, okay. I became the president for two consecutive years. The girls were so, I, I love this. I love this. I don't know why. I just had this weird camaraderie with the girls because the girls were the overachievers and all the guys were just a bunch of idiots and we were all separated, right? But they knew that there's this one kid who's brown, right? Because they're all majority African-American yeah. or Egyptian. There's right. this one brown kid who's a guy who just like you know the teachers love him right mm. that bothered all the smart girls that for some yeah. reason i enjoyed i don't know why <laughs> i was like yeah in your face right i guess i was going through that kindergarten like ew cootie yeah. face right yeah, at 15 yeah. years old or 16 oh. years old <laughs> so so i so what ended up happening was that i um i uh i started student council and everything like that so i have an impressive like high school resume at this point right for this school um yeah. So later on, he, the principal brings me in and he's like, look, Daniel, you know that, you know, I love you and I respect you as for everything you've done. Um, but I want to, I want to be honest with you. He's like, we're not going to let you graduate in 11th grade. I was like, why not? Like, that's not fair. And he was like, I, I'm going to be very vague about this mm -hmm. because I don't want to be very detailed. But basically he said that there's other kids on the girl side who are a lot younger than you and a lot less mature than you who also want to graduate early. 
but I cannot allow that to happen because they're not ready for the real world. Like he's like, they're very young and immature. He's like, but if I allow you to do it, I have to allow them to do it. So he's like, so we're completely terminating the program. And I was heartbroken. I was like genuinely heartbroken. I was like, that's not fair, mm-hmm. right? I worked really hard, and I, I did. I genuinely worked really. I've never, I don't know. I, I worked were really. Were you yeah. the first person that this program had that was on track to do that? No. So the outside of their outside of his sons, yeah. Okay. I was the first one outside of his sons to be okay. on track, yeah. Um, oh, that's just... Yeah, so I kind of gave up. I remember then right before the graduation, you know, I was already working on, like, looking into schools and stuff with the teacher, but I kind of, like, stopped doing that. Didn't apply for financial aid or anything. Mm-hmm. And then right before the graduation, my advisor, Sister Salafa, right, she comes to me and she's like, Daniel, aren't you supposed to be graduating? I'm like, no, um, the t- principal is not letting me graduate. I just realized that by me saying the teacher's names, people are going to already know what school this is. But I, I'm assuming the only people who go to the school are probably going to know, right? Yeah, so hopefully so it'll be okay. And of course, like... I'll no give another time. Yeah, and right at the same time, if anyone from the school is watching, I love you all. You're still great. You know what I mean? But it's just what it's happened. Just, right? just what happened, yeah. yeah. So um, what ended up happening was that uh, she was like, like, aren't you going to graduate? I was like, no, you know, like I, they said I couldn't graduate. And she's like, no, Daniel, aren't you going to graduate? And I was like, am I going to graduate? Mm-hmm. She's like, well, I have your transcripts printed out. I already wrote your letter of recommendations. Daniel, you're graduating. And I was like, huh? She's like, Daniel, you got to pay me the $100 for your cap and gown and go to the graduation, like, you know, practice graduation. You're going to graduate this weekend. This was, and the principal had no I'm idea. I'm so confused. So was this in 11th or 12th grade? So this was in 11th grade. So basically, she was going to stick her neck out for me. Like, she was going to make it happen. What? So. Dude, this. Yeah. So, I graduated. You know, if I remember correctly, my my diploma. So, watch. So, the president principal does. Yeah. It turns. If I remember correctly, I think I my diploma was the only diploma that didn't have the principal's signature yet. <laughs> like, he had to sign it. If I remember correctly. I don't know. Maybe I'm just making some of my mind. I remember it. That he had to sign it up. And he, like, shook my head. He was like. Good job, Daniel. <laughs> I was like, yeah, thank you. And right, then, but I thought this all happened like he had no idea. Like when? No, he- like he didn't. He didn't. He was. She. I don't know the details. I think she told him that you know, like she kind of vouched right, for me, right? Right, right? But it wasn't planned. Like literally, this is this is yeah. the same no, week. He, yeah, the week. Yeah, so yeah. week. So she like he was like okay, whatever, right? Like you know, so. Thank God. Obviously, I'm sure there was a lot of like parents who were like um, upset. Yeah. But um, I'm like, while I'm talking, I'm actually going to pull up a picture so you guys can okay. see. Because I have pictures. I want, to, I want you guys to see them. But um, he, uh, the teachers were obviously very upset that, you know, I'm not the teachers. I'm sorry. The students yeah. were very upset that I graduated early. But I did. Alhamdulillah. Were I remember. You the last of your kind? Last no, 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 no. I wasn't the last of my kind. <laughs> <laughs> Everything changed with the fire. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I was not the last of a kind. There was, I think, two more students who graduated early after me, and mm-hmm. the next year, who were. Do you have a friend who did this? He's twenty-five. How did our friend do this? So, so, anyways. Well, actually, I don't know the specifics of our friends. Yeah, you make this shit up, but yeah. yeah. So, um, what ended up happening was that I. So yeah, I now I'm now I'm caught up, right? But here's the problem: I didn't apply to any university. Oh, no. uh, I applied to financial aid. I'm like. 
God. And uh, now here's the thing. I'm living in this false reality in my head now. I'm like, I can do anything. I'm the smartest kid in this school. I could get into Princeton and I could go to medical school, right? Like, I'm literally thinking I'm the, you know, like, I'm the stuff right now, right? And then I applied to Middlesex County, the first university, the only college I applied to at the time. Mm -hmm. And I never got a response from them. So I thought to myself, oh crap, that's what harsh reality kicked in, right? I'm like, if Middlesex is not going to accept me, what university is going to accept me? Turns out that we just lost the mail. Like a lost I was about to say, you can't uh, I got accepted, yeah. but I didn't know. But I didn't even bother applying to Rutgers at this time. Right. And then I had like other things that were going on right. that I mentioned to you guys yeah. off camera that just like I felt very intimidated to go to Rutgers because I didn't want to confront those like rumors that were yeah, being spread yeah. about me. Um, so yeah, anyways, like just to like quickly summarize, I... Um, uh, my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, she's family member. She, uh, she, um, she, uh, uh, she told me to apply to St. Peter's. Yeah. She was like, just, just try to get in, you know, see what happens. We'll talk to the dean. I spoke to the dean, and literally the same day, like she spoke to the dean. She basically, she was like, she was a very goody two shoes, like mm-hmm. very hardworking. She really hard worked hard for that mm-hmm. to be where she is in that university. So she was very well known with a lot of like some of the like some influential people in the university. It was a Jesuit university. So, like, the the priests were very, like, you know, very well-known. Yeah. And she was very, like, well-known with them. So she spoke to one of them. Your and mom, this was, right? Uh, who? Wait, who? Your wife. My, oh, wife. Your wife. my wife. My wife was not my wife at the time. She's my, okay, she's, okay. She's my cousin, right. right? She's related to me. Right. Um, so... Sorry if that made anyone feel uncomfortable. Just, it's normal in my culture. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah. so... Yeah. What yeah. ended up... I'm just trying to look for the picture. Sorry. Have this okay, let us provide me and I, I feel like me and I should, should contribute to this podcast. It's, it's been like <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. No, I enjoyed it. I have so here we go. This is this is, this is brother Hassan. And I'm you know, he's giving me a you know, oh, this was on the day of your graduation. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, so I was actually very skinny <laughs> when I was young. You look like he looks like a daddy. Yes, he does. Muhammad Nadi's younger brother, for sure. Because I just played soccer against him. Oh, That's why. Right. Dude, oh my god. Are you crying? Yeah. This was an emotional time. Yeah, man. I didn't think every single time I've graduated or anything, every single time when there ever has been a major accomplishment in my life, I ha- always have this moment where my mom hugs me and I always cry and I just say, I'm sorry. I wish I could have done better or whatever. And she always says, West Resume a year that she's proud of me. My mom and I, we don't necessarily get along all the time. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of differences as well as, as much as, as um, even though like it, when I got older, it's gotten a lot worse. Yeah. But I genuinely love her and I'm genuinely proud of everything she's accomplished. Yes, you know, like there, I have disagreements with her in terms of how I was raised and everything. But I, I, it's something that I, I had to understand was that, you know, she did the best she could with the resources that she was given. Like, she, mm-hmm. just imagine, like, you know, like, what yeah. we went through. Just imagine what she went through. You know what I mean? Like, she's our mother. You know, she was an adult. She saw, like, a lot more than what we did. So, like... And she also had to protect you guys. She had to protect us. You know what I mean? Like, I can only... I, I can never thank her enough. And, you know, like, I do sometimes come off as, like, maybe some a little ungrateful. Mm-hmm. My method of, like... My method of like, um, and this is something like, you know, like, I guess if we talk about later on in the podcast mm-hmm. in terms of like where I am now, mm-hmm. but um, I, 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 I am focusing on myself, my development, mm-hmm. my improvement, right? And I'm hoping that by doing that and by choosing to live a healthier lifestyle and a more productive lifestyle, um, that inshallah, inshallah, and one thing I've always done for myself, always did to myself, was put myself in a higher standard, because I wanted my siblings to real remember that, realize that it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. Like 
I didn't go to grad school because I wanted to, right? I have plans to eventually go for my PhD. I don't do that because I want to. I do that because I have that standard for myself. I want to prove to myself, prove to a lot of other people, but in more particular, prove to my siblings that, hey, it's possible. I did it. You know what I mean? And I started school a lot later than them. I was 15, didn't know anything, right? They they started off younger. You know, they had a kind of a jump start. So that's kind of like I've always held myself to that standard. That was my way of like, you know... um, being there for them right. but you know like back to the time with my mom so my mom like you know we always have every single time when i graduate with my grad high school undergrad and grad school mm-hmm. like there's always that moment someone has always captured it it's just basically my i'm hugging my mom crying and my mom's just whispering that she's proud of me right yeah. and that's what i live for that's honestly what i live for yeah. and i don't just say that like I, I genuinely mean it like she's even though we do have our disagreements yeah. whatever and you know we might not get along all the time I have absolutely nothing but respect for that woman and you know it hurts me that the journey that I've picked to do choose yeah. to, chosen to do has caused like some conflict but it's it's I think it's needed for growth like anything that's good doesn't come easy like anything that's like growth is never and you know like I don't know maybe I'm doing something that's completely wrong but who knows Allah is the one who you know like ultimately decides and intentions are i think everything but anywho so like i forgot what we were saying and i completely forgot you just graduated so saint peter so she spoke to so i remember we went to the dean's office right my wife spoke to the dean um explain everything it's weird calling her my wife you know when she's wasn't my wife at the time right my we'll just say my cousin so my cousin she reached out she reached out to um she she spoke to the dean and um the dean literally like talked and my mom was actually talking too and then um the dean like writes a letter and he she's like here's a letter you're going to show this to all the different offices the last orientation is tomorrow get everything done today you're admitted to saint peter's university i was like i didn't have time to process this rusha's my you gotta go yeah yeah so like my my cousin she like let's go so we went to the registrar office signed up for financial financial aid and everything right i barely missed like i missed eof i was supposed to sign up for eof the the lady that was right in front of us man like she she was the last one and we we missed it i really wish i was in the eof program because there's a lot of perks that come with it like academically and i really wish i had that um because it was a private university it was very expensive um and then i took the placement exam now here's my thing this is my mentality now with the placement exam i'm thinking to myself like okay I've somehow kind of cheated my way to get to where I am. I'm not proud of it. I've lied a little bit and I've, you know, done things that were kind of shady, right? By like pretending about my SAT score, you know, like cheating on when it came to memorizing the Quran and stuff. Yeah. Things I'm not really proud about, but I made it to where I am. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to lie to myself. I don't want to make that because that, 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 that reality hit when I realized I'm not eligible for Princeton, right? That was a, that, that hit me back. Right? I realized I wasn't smart, right? Like, because literally, I mean, yeah, so, so I was like, you know, I don't want that to ever happen again. I need to make sure I'm ready now. So if they place me in a remedial class, which my cousin was like, no, you don't want that to happen because then those credits are not going to count. I was like, yes, I want that to happen because at least I'll be caught up. Like, at least I'll know my stuff now. I don't have to hide. I don't have to hide behind my story anymore. So I remember I took the placement exam, right? I struggled like anything. I was like, yep, I definitely got into remedial classes. I, um, because I, I guess, right? It was like, if I don't know, I guess. I always, I guess, right? So I don't know if it's right or not. I'm like, Bismillah, you know, I, I click C too many times. Let's go with A, right? So, so then um, the next day is orientation. And I remember the second day of orientation, we're registering for classes. I remember the advisor, her name was Callahan. Callahan is a biology professor who was one of my professors. And at the time she wasn't. So she comes to me and she's like, okay, let's go over your, um, let's go over your classes. And she's registering like my classes. She's like, okay, so you're going to take, 
you're going to take um, uh, calc uh, no uh, statistics for life and sciences for math, and you're going to take English one. I'm like, one minute. Aren't those normal level classes? She's like, yeah. I was like, no, no, no. There's been a, I took a I took a placement exam. Yeah. It was so funny. I said that to my high schoolers to want high schools to want to go higher remember i told yeah. them i took my placement exam yeah, i should go higher yeah, no. in college i'm like i took my placement exam i should be lower right <laughs> like give your priorities back so yeah, yeah, so the, people you should so give the, exactly that's what callahan said so callahan was like callahan's like one minute are you upset that you got placed into normal math and english i'm like no i just want to be placed in where my level is she's like you took an exam this is your level. I'm not going to put you in a, a class lower uh -huh. just because you want it. She's like, college is not easy, honey. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I ended up failing those classes. <laughs> That's beside the point. You see, you don't to take the placement exam seriously. What is up with you? No, so it turns out that I, my guessing was very accurate somehow. And thanks to that, I was able to get placed into normal English and math. I barely passed that English. I got a C, right? Which is the class. Like, if I got a grade lower, I would have gotten kicked out, right? Like, I would have to retake it. Mm. Not in this school. If you get a C, you have to it's C minus or like you know a B uh, a D. You have to retake, especially the core classes. You have to retake them. So I got I barely passed with a C, right? Can we take a short break? Go ahead. All right, where do we go? So um uh I ended up um I so I started my by the way real quick. Do you want to continue this? Because we have other things we want to talk about, right? Honestly? I just want to hear the end, man. So we're kind of already at the ending when it comes to how I caught up. So I like basically, you know, like worked really hard in undergrad. Mm -hmm. I um I was doing I was doing biology for like three years, mm -hmm. really struggling, didn't enjoy it. I would like study till like two o'clock in the morning while my friends studied like till eight PM and they would have A's and I would barely pass with like a mm -hmm. B. And um I, I held myself to that standard. One thing that I did Actually, I'll mention that after, so maybe you could keep that in the in the thing. We'll talk about that later. Um, but I, I really like held myself to a higher standard, right? So, I um, I uh, third year of college, I decided I was going to switch to psychology. It was a very emotional moment for me because my mom really wanted me to become a doctor. It was like it was her. It was it was something that was very important to her, mm -hmm. and I it was the first time I ever decided to be selfish. And it really, it really made a huge problem in my family for a very long time, for a while. Um, but I was happy. I was happy, and I was acing it, and I was nailing it, and I loved it. My, I remember, I remember when I was taking my first psych class, and I was taking my first statistic class. Because mm -hmm. mind you, the only statistic class I took was my first year, yeah, yeah. and I almost failed. I had to drop it. Um, so I was so terrified of math. I was like, no way. I remember, I was taking the first statistic class, and literally the head of the psychology department teaches it. Dr. Hamilton. And Dr. Hamilton literally, she's like, she's like, no chill, no mercy, right? Mm -hmm. And I love her for that now, now. Hated her at the time, right? She's also my academic advisor too <laughs> when I switched over. And she was like, more than half of you guys are going to fail this class. And guess what? Though that half that fails, good luck getting your psych degree because it's one of the core requirements. If you can't take this, I'll tell you to take something else. Maybe take something easier like communications. Like she had no chill, right? Oh my God. So... I was terrified because she's like barely anyone in my class gets an A. Mm. And if you do, I know you're going to go far. I told, I, I, I told myself, I'm going to get an A in this yeah. class. And I studied really hard. I remember I took the midterm and I was so terrified. And I was talking to her. Like she was very helpful. Which class? Uh, this is, this is stats class. Oh, the first stats you need to get into psych. Right? Is, psych is, is it, stats heavy. Is it like stats like one step forward from the thing you took before? Like... So it was science. actually so it was actually the it was actually the same but stats for life and sciences was biology related. Mm -hmm. so this, this is, is psych related, right? Okay, yeah. But 
I had more prep time. So guess I'm three years now into college, right? And I took I took elementary applied math and other math classes to build me now to this part. Before I took went straight to stats and I suffered miserably, yeah. right? So I had to drop that class. But I took like classes that counted towards my major, mm-hmm. right? But they weren't they were easier classes that I would need yeah. I needed to review and stuff like that. That really helped me. Um, one of them was a bobo class, like. My Baba is probably not an appropriate term, but remedial class. Mm-hmm. But I, I chose to take it. I didn't need to, but I I, I signed up for it, and I mm-hmm. I was allowed to take an extra credit class. So I might have, I decided to do it anyways. So that yeah, really helped me. Helping, yeah. That helped me. Then I took another class, elementary applied math, and then this was my next step. Right. So I was prepared now. Right. It's still difficult, but I still pre- I was prepared more yeah. more prepared than I was at the beginning. So with that, I was freaking that I almost failed last time. And now she's freaking me out saying that more than half the class fails this class, right? And it's true. Like, more than half the class actually did fail it. Uh, and they they had to drop being a psych major. I remember, like, some girls cried because this was, like, their their thing. They're like, yeah. this was it. And now they don't have anything else to jump drop on, right? So they had to, they decided they were going to retake it. And she's like, it's not worth it. Like, you're just wasting your time. But right. they did retake it. Some of them did. And they ended up graduating with a degree. But anyway, so... I remember when I was taking, when I was about to take the midterm, I was studying with her, right? Because she was my advisor. I was asking mm-hmm. for advice. I was, I was like, she was helping out. So I was like, office hours or something like that. Yeah, office hours. So I, I, one thing I actually did throughout my undergrad, even if the class was easy, is I always spoke with the professor after class. If I didn't, you know, like not all the time when it came to speaking after class, mm-hmm. but I would always go during office hours, mm-hmm. at least once, have a private conversation with them. Let them know who I am, show them what I appreciate about them, and learn from them. Even if I don't need any help, just to give them that value. Because I wanted to be a professor. Like That's something I I still kind of want to do, but I wanted to be a professor. I was like, you know, I just want to teach people. And I used to teach at Islamic school at the time, right? Like a Sunday school. So I really enjoyed that. So I understand how important it is, like how good it feels when your teachers acknowledge, when your students acknowledge you. And I wanted to just give that back. So that's what I would do, right? So most cases I actually needed to learn. Very few cases that... I actually didn't need to learn and I went to them, right? Like my art classes, I aced them while sleeping. I took, I was exempt from the final exam. I'm such a nerd. I hate it. Like when it came to this situation, there was this English, there was this art class that I was just acing, right? I was exempt from the final and I got sad. And I told him, can I still take the final? He was like, why? Because I want to challenge myself. He was like, you're a weird kid. (laughs) But it mattered to me. And I got, I was the first one to get the final out of the way. I felt so good about myself. Like, I was just like, like, these are the things that give me joy. Like, this was like a competition. I love video, I love games and I get very competitive. I get competitive when it comes to grades, right? I just, like, just me. So... I was not like that during grad school, though. Grad school was like, C's get degrees, right? <laughs> but in undergrad, no, I was like an overachiever. I worked really hard to get those A's and B's, right? So, and, my, and also, I did really bad my first semester, so my GPA dropped. So it took me all three years, like the rest of my college years, to basically build that. A bunch, like, I never got any C's or D's after that. But I swear to God, getting your GPA from a 2.4 up to the threes took me three years of A's and B's. I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. I thought it was just one semester. I can make it up in one semester. It's easy to fail. It's harder to pass. And so so it's so bad. So Hamza, I was able to pass with a good GPA after I graduated. Not great for a psychology major. Like a psychology major is easily graduate like 4.0 GPAs because it's it's fair. It's compared to other sciences, it is an easier um, field, right? Um, especially if you kind of have like the knack, knick for it or knack, yeah. I don't know what the word is, knack, knack, yeah. knack for it. Um, but um, so, like, so I was like, I had the lowest 
GPA compared to my peers that I I compared myself to. But if I compare myself to the average Joe, I did pretty well. Um, and I um I so so I uh, I remember this class right. I was telling the I was telling Hamilton. I was like, uh, Doctor Hamilton, I don't think I'm gonna do well on your midterm. She's like, if you fail the midterm, good luck passing the rest of the class. She's mm-hmm. like, I would just tell you to drop it. Don't worry about the GPA and just try something else. Maybe it's not for you. It's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. She's like, and I just like, I didn't want to hear that from her. Mm-hmm. And I passed the midterm with an A. And she literally gave me the paper and she went like this. <laughs> and I, I, so that was, that was my, that was my midterm. It, it was a morale boost. And I would just, I remember I would chill in the front desk of the psychology yeah. department, just chill with the, with the front desk lady. We would talk for hours. The teachers would come like, hey, there was this one teacher who was like, um, she was like very educated, old, like Hispanic teacher. She would always be like, my darlings, right? So she would be like, my darling, what you doing here? Why don't you go home? I like, I don't want to go home. And I would just be like studying. I, I can, like, when you, when you said yeah, she did that like, gesture, yeah. like when she just did the little pat-pat, I can, I can just feel yeah. that like i was my head was in the clouds yeah because yeah. she was like she was like the beast of the psychology department yeah. everyone was intimidated by her people hated her like because of how mm-hmm. harsh she was i was i was intimidated by her too mm-hmm. but when someone like that acknowledges you yeah. it means so much yeah. and it did it did and alhamdulillah i graduated that stats class with an a and i graduated i i i passed i i passed every of my psych classes with an a b average mm-hmm. And it just felt really good. I just knew that it was right. I got yeah. my during my first, like literally my first semester of being a psych major. I got into I got into an internship program, uh, not internship. I got a work study gig for the psychology department. I was a research assistant for my professor. Yeah. You know, like opportunities just opened up. Opportunities that weren't opening up when I was yeah. a bio major, right? Like so, I was like, this is this is what it, this is yeah. what it is. Yeah. But I was trying to double major with graphic design and psych. But um, I was trying to also get married on time. Mm-hmm. Like I was trying to graduate on time. Me being a double major was going to require me to stay late, and I didn't mind, but I realized that it was going to affect my, my potential marriage. Mm-hmm. So I decided to drop the graphic designs major, and I just graduated with my... In 2017, mm-hmm. I graduated with my bachelor's in psychology. I remember I was at Rutgers, near Rutgers on campus, just chilling with some of my friends when I got the news that I got into Rutgers, New Brunswick for social work, grad school. I didn't think I was going to get in. I was like, this is yeah so i was like there's no way i'm getting there my gpa is crap compared to other psych students yeah. right like i was in the three but i was in the early threes like you know like low threes not yeah. like i wasn't out uh, so 3.2 right i was like that's not great but hard work pays off yeah hard work definitely yeah, so like humda i remember when i got the when i got the when i got the letter right the letter came to my aunt's house because um, for a little for a year my family moved to Pennsylvania, so I was living with my extended family. So my address didn't change back, and um, I remember our, my my aunt called me and she was like, "Sorry, I couldn't wait. Congratulations." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Because I kind of lost hope. I didn't think I was getting in. It was taking their sweet time, right? Yeah. And she was like, "You got in." I was like, "Where? Which one?" She was like, "You got into Rutgers, which was my ideal school." Yeah. There's everything you had worked for yeah. up until that moment. Just yeah. kind of. I got into grad school. Wow. I got into grad school and. You didn't just get in your. You graduated. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I, now I graduated. Right. I got into grad school. I was married. I was trying to figure out family stuff at the same time. Was I eventually started working full time while going to grad school full time? Um, I ended up moving out and lived on my own with my with my wife during the second year of grad school. I found out. I found out my th- my wife was pregnant during the last semester. 
not the last semester, um, the 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 last year, mm-hmm. like the fall, end of fall semester, and um, shortly after I graduated, um, my 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 son was born. It just had like everything happened like back to back to back, right? Like uh, as soon as I got married, I went to my honeymoon. I came back grad school, right? Grad school was a tornado in itself. I actually gained. So you saw the picture of me when I was in high school. I was, right? say, yeah, I was that skinny my entire life. It was during grad school that I gained weight. Like but I left. Your le- face is full, filled out now. It's not. It's not bad. It it's is. Bad. It is. But out. I don't like it. Like I am. I am overweight. Like I don't look it. I hide it very well. But I am overweight. Like for my for my height to body ratio, whatever. I am. I'm not even like remote. Like kind of. I am overweight. Wait, like BMI or like BMI? Yeah. I'm overweight. But don't yeah. Those, you, yeah, those are those well, are. It doesn't bad. matter, bro. I feel the nasty. Okay. Oh, your face, your <laughs> face looks more. I, don't know about I feel weird that we're talking about my face on camera right now. Yeah. No, <laughs> but okay. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. No, but like so, so okay. So is that the end? I'm gonna caught up. Yeah. So like I'm. So I yeah. So I caught up in school and everything, right? And I'm who I am today. I've been. It's been a year since then. I graduated in 2019 with my master's. Um, my son was born that same summer. I took on the national director role with Ignore Relief around that time. Um, and yeah, it's like one year later, I'm here and just taking it a day at a time. I just, I just want to say that in the beginning of the podcast, me and Arsha talked about how we have we been doing this for two, uh, two and a half months, right? Two and a half, almost three months. Um, and I've, I'm speaking from my experience, I don't know about Arsha, but I feel like the best thing about these podcasts is that we hear, even if they're our friends or ourselves, we hear perspective and stories from people, right? And we're always just like, damn, that's crazy. We're like, damn, that's wild. And like, yeah. just, I don't know how much we're going to edit. I think, like, you know what? I, I was just about to say, I think we're about to, um, I think this could be a first where we have a, part a whole one separate, yeah. maybe not a part one or two, but a whole, a whole, if you're comfortable with it, like a whole separate video just for your story, just because I think yeah i think that yeah i would prefer that because the the main intention right for inviting me over and what i what i intended to do was actually talk more about community issues Mm -hmm. not more so about myself but i know that it this tends to happen i appreciate you guys listening by the way but i yeah i would like to separate it so we can focus on like things 